I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 131. Oh, you were able to do it right this time. Don't tell them. <laughs> I'm spoiling the end. God. Stop peeling back the fourth wall. We have we have like more than four walls, I think. They can't even see us. Well, wouldn't there be like six walls? There, there, there'd at least be ceilings involved. I mean, you know, because you got to figure, even if it's like a cube or a rectangular cube. Uh, are, are, hey, are we debating the, the, the logistics of fictional dimensions? Listen, if we it's don't get like the metaphysics, if we can't figure out where we are in metaphysical space, this episode's not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, we're peeling back the sixth wall. Or, actually, no, I guess it would be the seventh wall. The microphone... We'll consider the microphone as, like, a tiny little seventh wall. Are this... Are, is the wall in... Is the wall... Is the ceiling and floor also walls? Um, I'm going to consider in them... physical space. I'm, I'm going to consider them walls because if your room was rotated 90 degrees, then as they would be your sometimes. walls. Yeah, yeah, they'd be your walls. Cool. Yeah, well, if we're in a mobile home and it tipped over. What does this mean for the listener? Where are they? Uh, this is we're we're covering Green Lantern issue number one, volume two. Moving on completely. Yes. <laughs> yes. For all you now, listening, that means they lost track of where they were at in the conversation and just decided topic, to branch off. Yeah, our main topic is a tangent <laughs> that got stuck in for no reason. <laughs> so. Speaking of which, yeah. Jim, why don't you tell us about this issue? First of all, who made this issue? This would be Gil Kane and... Oh, God, I can never remember the other guy. Is it Finger? Bill Finger? Bill Finger? No. No? That, that's the other Green Lantern? Are you thinking of Alan Scott? Probably. <laughs> are you, are you, are are you, you thinking sure? of Batman? Wait, are you sure... Okay, who All of us have this in front of us. Why aren't? Why can't we find the answer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm looking at it. I'm, lo- I'm looking at an omnibus. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My copy doesn't uh, have that. God, you guys. All right. Let me see. I have the trade. Relation <laughs> number one. Don't, all right. don't you read John Broom and Gardner Fox or Gil Kane and Joe Gaelia or whatever his name is? Gaelia. And this is. Gil Kane and Murphy Anderson. Oh, well, that's cool. But that's cover inks. What? Oh, no, inks. Never mind. They credit Ignore the man behind the curtain. We have curtains? What wall are they? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So, did we figure it out? Well, this this one's the menace of the giant puppet. Gil okay. Kane and Murphy on Anderson. That's sure. what we figured out. Yeah, why not? Okay, so I got... What the hell? Dad's doing something. No, I'm trying what? to access Comic Book DB. Yes. <laughs> Is it down again? <laughs> it, was go- it was, like, going to, like, weird websites. Okay, Joe Gaiella and Gil Kane. Joe Giella. Whatever. It's close. I'm great most of the time. We'll call I, him I'm wrong most of the time, and I keep on being wrong. Yeah, that's you a real problem. You should shake that. <laughs> no, people expect it of me now. 
I got to give the listeners what they want. <clears throat> Why are you still on the podcast then? Wait a second. Oh. So... <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you guys throw me under the bus. I, you know, I stopped counting. So you know what? <laughs> Every now and then, <laughs> zing. Yeah, you just wait. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking at uh, Comic Book DB, and it says that uh, the writer of these stories is John Broom. Oh, you know what? No. The, no, no. The thing, the thing I'm looking at was just crediting the art. So okay. it's Gil Kim Murphy Anderson on the art. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yes, this is now Green Lantern number one, spinning out of the Showcase 22 through 24 stint. Uh, they got enough of a response that people actually wanted them to, you know, tell more of these Green Lantern stories. So this uh, this first issue is broken down into it's kind of broken down into three three stories, but two of them are, you know, just kind of one kind of flows right into the next one. So the uh, the first issue, uh, the, the first issue, the first story starts off. It's kind of a retelling of. Green Lantern's origin, which, you know, it should be because a lot of people didn't get to see those showcase issues, and this is the first issue, so you would want to, you know, have an introduction, an origin of the character. <clears throat> but they do it in an interesting way in that they don't just, you know, say, okay, this is the origin all over again. They kind of frame it in a sequence where Hal Jordan... Um, you know, he's flying a plane, and all of a sudden, like, all of his energy is sucked out of him for a second. And it turns out the Guardians of the Universe, making their first appearance, they have taken an energy, you know, version of Hal Jordan with all of Hal Jordan's uh, thoughts and memories to kind of interview him and see, you know, if he would make a Green Lantern and what happened and everything. And... uh and so, like, you know, the energy being is kind of, he's telling half the story, the Guardians are telling the half that they know. Abin Sir crashes, um, and then, uh, you know, the, he you know, sends out a search for a new Green Lantern. And, well, they don't actually use the term Green Lantern. Apparently that's something that only Hal Jordan is using. Um, not really sure how they're going to work that in the future to make it seem like everybody's a Green Lantern now, but... So, yeah, apparently there was an ion storm, so the Guardians, who can see everything, they couldn't see that. So, they uh, they ask Hal Jordan how, uh, you know, what happened afterwards, and he says, you know, I got taken to Abin Sir, you know, he gave me his ring, told me the whole story, um, and then uh, made me wear his clothes and bury his body, um, which I always wonder, it's like, well, was Abin Sir, like, completely dead before he took the costume off? Because, I mean, that's just humiliating. You know, you're dying, and this foreign alien is taking off all your clothes and putting them on as you're dying. It's horrible. Why would you even question that? What the hell? <laughs> that's what I was thinking when I read it the, the second time. But, uh... Oh. Anyway, you know, you, you clip, clip back and uh, the Guardians are like, you know what, you know, sounds good to us, you know, you, uh, you're you worthy of being a Green Lantern. So they send this energy, you know, self back to Hal Jordan, I guess, to invigorate him or whatever, but they erase everything from his mind so that he won't know about the Guardians until, 
until he needs to know. And, uh, you know, he flashed back to Hal Jordan, and he's like, you know, it's a typical, it's like, oh, okay, I guess everything worked out. You know, and the the editors, or the writers, it's like they have to, like, steamroll that, you know, but I hope I can get a date with Carol. You know, they, they throw that in, like, every, every random place that they can possibly put it in, where it, it absolutely does not fit. It's kind of like if you're, like, you know, a six-year-old and you really want a toy. And you're, like, talking to people about, you know, whatever, like washing your hands or the weather or going to school or whatever. But you want that toy for your birthday, so you figure out a way to slip in how much you want that toy to every possible conversation that there is. It's like, wow, the weather's really rainy. You know what would really make me, you know, lift my spirits during rainy weather like this? That that, that new race car that I really want. That's basically how they treat the, the Carol Ferris thing in the story. So uh, after, you know, Hal gets back to Earth, or his energy self gets back to Earth, he immediately gets a, uh, a call from the Guardians um, through his battery. He still doesn't know it's them. He goes to the planet Kalor, where it's a bunch of these yellow, uh, yellow-skinned aliens, and uh, they're praying to a tree um, for help from this drig, uh, which Hal Jordan has no idea what that is. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, like, pointing. It's like, you know, come over here. This is where the Drig is. <laughs> and what the Drig is, it's kind of a cross between... Well, first off, it's a giant. Um, and it has, like, the, the teeth of a vampire, the ears of Spock from Star Trek, um, the mohawk from Mr. T, and then brown fur all over his body like a werewolf. So it's kind of like a giant werewolf. Um... And for some reason, you know, Hal Jordan's ring isn't working because this Drig, uh, it has like a mental attack which completely wipes out his uh, willpower. Um, so because this thing comes from a, uh, like a valley of volcanoes, Hal Jordan comes up with the clever idea that it's probably weak against ice. Um, so he proceeds to spray it with liquid oxygen, uh, encasing it in a giant ice cube, um, and then uh, bringing it to the North Pole or South Pole, where there's always ice on this planet. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, so the guy's like, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, they're all fine, you know, they, uh, they don't have to worry about their drink anymore. Now to get back to Earth to recharge my battery and uh, maybe get a date with Carol. So, can we start with the Guardians here? Yes. Right. First appearance of the Guardians. Yes. Um, I like how kind they are. That uh, We have summoned you to the Council of the Guardians, Hal Jordan, to avoid interfering with your normal life. Look at them. They don't want to interfere. <laughs> how kind. Oh, wait. They stole his soul for a minute. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how I took it up. The Guardians yanked his soul out of his body to get a conversation going. Yeah. And not for nothing, but, like, it's like, yeah, we didn't want to interfere. Although, you almost crashed a jet and died when we took your energy. Uh, not, not to mention, um, yeah, it's been, what, a year? 
Yeah, it's it's been yeah, a year yeah. since that guy crashed on your planet. We thought it was time to get, uh, talk to you, see if you're worthy of holding the ring. <laughs> well, they've been busy. <laughs> no, no. The best part, the best part is that Hal Jordan's energy self gets to this planet, and he, and he's like, "Wait, where am I?" And they're like, "Oh, you're here to a council of the guardians," you know. And he's basically just like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> that's fine not not like you know oh um and excuse me who the fuck are you by the way he's like we're they they say they flat out like say like uh what do they say um uh you know Abin sir crashed and his battery went to someone calling themselves green lantern and how's like green lantern and i are the same person, and they're like, we know! We yeah. brought you here! <laughs> it's like, Green Lantern, that's who my name is! <laughs> what about that? What about the fact that he invented this name? Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's, like, I'm, I'm half expecting, like, a couple of issues in the future. It's like, Hal Jordan, you know, that name was so great, we decided to stick it to everybody. Now it's a Green Lantern core. Thanks for <laughs> inventing that name for us. Yeah, they stick it to everybody, all right. <laughs> now, what about... Oh, go ahead, Chad. Hats off, you know, just like in every Abinsur retelling of his death. Hats off to Abinsur to being being able to think and talk and do so much when he's barely got moments to live. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we must have touched on this the first time around, too, but he's like... He gets to a point where he's... It's like he has a countdown clock he's watching. He's like, <laughs> only seconds left to tell you... Once you have the battery, you'll have the power of everything, except what's yellow. Like, well, your finger! And he's dead. <laughs> yeah, like, he spaces out what he's saying, so when he dies, it's just the right moment. It's like he's, he pauses just to count, and then he's like, no, I have five more seconds. Do not fail me! Dead. <laughs> um, how, what about the fact that, uh, like, what do you think of this whole mind-wipe Hal Jordan thing? Because they get what they want from him, they send his soul back home, erase all memory of it, and then immediately send for him to send him on a mission. It's like, what? Why? You just had him. You could have told him while he was in front of you. No, no. What's What's even better is that after this issue, they leave it off that Hal Jordan has no idea about the Guardians. And then the very next issue or like one one more issue after that, it's like... He sees something crazy happening, and he literally says, Great Guardians! What's going on? Like, <laughs> maybe the Guardians <laughs> didn't do as good a job as they thought with the mind wipe. Nice. Um, I do like how the Guardians are kind of kept toned down mm-hmm. at first here, because, like, <clears throat> they just look like weird blue guys that have machinery. And they're, yeah. like, they're always called the Guardians. They never say Guardians of the Universe yet. Yeah, well, if anything, There's... I think they make a point of saying it's like the galactic core or something like that. Yeah, well, like they're like Oa itself isn't even the center of the universe. It's that it's the, the planet itself is in the galaxy that's at the center of the universe. Yes, yeah. and like they they themselves don't appear to have any kind of powers beyond levers that do things. Can we pause and consider a staple of the uh, Silver Age? retelling of the origin and just try and figure out why it is out of all the things Hal Jordan can do to test his power he decides to cut a cliff off and lift it into the sky well that's to bury the ship is it yeah always 
Really? Yeah, definitely. I don't remember that. I don't remember yeah. that. Because well, Alvin Sir tells him, you know, you need to dispose of my body and, uh, you know, all remnants of him <laughs> and his rocket. Now, the best way well, to why? do that is to lift a mountain over it. Well, my first reaction would be to dig a hole and then fill it in, <laughs> not to pick up a mountain and move it to the left. Okay, well, wait. Yeah, anybody can dig it up then. If you drop a mountain on something, nobody's going to be, you know, digging through a mountain or trying to move that mountain again. No, 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 no. Look at the panel where it says, uh, let's see there, right, the panel right before he's actually picking up the mountain. <clears throat> After I had followed the spaceman's orders to dispose of all remnants of him and his rocket. <clears throat> and then the next panel is him picking up a mountain. So according to this retelling, he had already disposed of the rocket and in, Avin's in, uh, remnants and then decided to play with mountains. <laughs> Well, Maybe he was moving the mountain as a distraction. So it, somebody would see him and be like, hey, that mountain wasn't there before. Maybe there's a spaceman under it, and they would dig there. Maybe he <laughs> wanted to make sure that everything was nice and crushed underneath the mountain that he had just lifted. And then they think that the real mound where Abin's buried, that's just a distraction hole. Like, you shouldn't bother with that. A distraction hole. Yes. <laughs> How many times have you used those words, Chad? <laughs> You, you was trying to get me back, and that was just a terrible attempt. Uh, I, I like that one. Um, what you call it? Earlier on in this issue, they the Guardians make a point of saying to Hal Jordan, um, they refer to Albin Sir as a being never before seen on Earth. So I guess that kind of cancels out that uh, DC Legends story where Albin Sir is a cowboy. Pay no attention okay. to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Well, did everybody in that story die? Because <laughs> I think that would count as not being never before seen. Well, maybe you know what? Maybe there was an ion storm during that whole occurrence, so the guardians oh, yeah, just didn't see it. see it. I feel like this whole thing, like they would have met Hal Jordan sooner if one of them had gone outside and like kicked their satellite dish or something. <laughs> And, uh, what about that? They're like, you, you have had a power ring for a year. You don't appear to have killed anyone. You can keep it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> God. All right, I, now what? No, uh, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, I like when <clears throat> when uh, Hal Jordan is retelling, you know, the Abin Star thing. You know, it's like... I like to read it in, like, an old man voice, like he's dying, like like an old, old man. It's yeah, like, you know... reading. Only seconds left to tell you. Once you have the battery, you will have power over everything except that is yellow. And then, like, as soon as he says that, like, I can't help but notice his eyes, which are, like, bright yellow. And it's like, I just, I know, like, deep down within my soul that if, like, Yvonne Hayes was drawing that or, like, anybody else today, like, you'd see the Sinestro Corps logo in there. Hmm. Well, he did get that in Secret Origin right before he, uh, crashed. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, you just get that, like, in every panel here, though. <laughs> hmm. 
<laughs> so off the dead man's clothes. God. Apparently, one of the uh, ring's many functions is the ability to shoot out liquid oxygen. Where yeah. the hell did that come from? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Not even how do they think of where did it physically come from? <laughs> Magic. Oh, all right. <clears throat> yeah. You know, not for nothing, but it's like it's like you know I've been I've been trying to I've been trying to grab the, the creature with my ring. That's the wrong tactic. And then it's like you know I'm thinking to myself, it's like no, okay, so that's the wrong tactic. What about trying to like I don't know stab the creature? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but instead you use liquid oxygen to freeze the thing in a giant ice cube. It's like, you know, when he's, like, dropping this thing off, you know, to the South Pole, North Pole, whatever, it's like, you know, there, I put the drug on ice. Cold as it is, as it is here, I'd say he's in a permanent deep freeze. It's like, I'm thinking it's like they should add another line. It's like, you might even say, I've murdered him. <laughs> well, how, but how about this? He's never coming this? back from that. No, there's no, there's no way for oxygen to get in there, so he's dead. Yeah. Like, how about this? Like, Hal's trying to figure out how can I possibly... I'm, I have to create... I, you know, you just got done telling the Guardians that about this time where you just casually picked up a mountain and threw it across the desert. Why don't you pick up one of the giant rock formations surrounding you and the Drig and throw it at him? Oh, man. <clears throat> or when he gets to, like, the planet and he's like... It's like, how condescending can you be? It's like, you know, oh, they're all standing around this weird-looking tree, worshipping it, like idiots. God. Yeah, and now I had... I had something of a problem with the storytelling choices when he got to... When it came to the, um... The translating of this, these yellow people. Okay. Because they introduced the concept... And first, of all, let's just called out right here this whole mission is very much like a redo of that showcase issue oh, where he's saving yeah where he's saving the blue people from the giant pterodactyl yes. <clears throat> this is almost exactly that they have, they even go through the same translation scene <clears throat> um but once they establish that okay they're speaking their language i don't know what it is but the ring can translate it and they show you like a panel of the ring translating it so you, they have it within their power to show us, you know, them having a conversation like any two human characters would. <clears throat> but then they just abandoned it completely. And it's just Hal giving exposition about what they just told him off panel instead. <laughs> like, instead of, <clears throat> instead of having them say... Uh, the drig comes from the, the valley, and it was spawned in the terrible heat, flame, and erupting <laughs> lava. They have a scene where Hal stands there saying, according to the, the Clarions, the drig, whatever it is, comes from the valley. They say it was spawned, and there's even a drig, there are, uh, a Clarion, whatever, standing next to him at the time. Like, there's no reason to have him monopolize all of the dialogue, especially when you set up on panel the visual convention of, like, the ring translating it for him in a word balloon. It seems it's so unnecessary. The thing is, Hal Jordan is making it up. <laughs> These people don't talk at all. 
It's like the entire conversation is just them, you know, grunting. And he's like, oh, I guess I'll fill in the blanks by making up my own story. <laughs> he's writing fan fiction in his head. <laughs> he's trying to keep from going insane because he was traveling <laughs> through space for a month, not talking to anybody. Yeah, with nothing but an air bubble. <laughs> you know, that's that's actually something that pisses me off. It's like, honestly... He has enough air to make it trillions of miles? No, no, like, like honestly, like, when was the last time... Actually, no, in there was, like, been no time that I've been reading Green Lantern where they've had to explain that, you know, the ring creates an air bubble around you. And yet, I just assume that it has, like, you know, life, life, uh, you know, life-saving functions, whatever. It's like, why do you have to tell, you know, it's like, oh, it's creating an air bubble around me that'll last just until I get to that planet. It's like, it, people couldn't just assume that the thing has, like, you know, resources like that. Yeah. Especially I mean, since it, it, they're it, making... Yeah, they can make the the uh, liquid oxygen or something. Yeah, I mean it's very much like you're still they're coming off of Alan Scott, so it's very much the concept of all right, magic ring, go. And they're still kind of working out exactly what he can and can't do. Yeah. But at the same time, this seems a lot more a lot more magical, fancy, fantasy esque than anything in the showcase issues did. Um, How about the fact that this is the terrible emergency that Green Lantern was needed for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A natural <laughs> being that exists on this planet, and then a couple of you know people that are being threatened by it, and Hal Jordan has to go and murder it. <laughs> How long do you think this has been a problem? Because they haven't been able to find him for a year. <laughs> There's only 17 Calorians left. <laughs> They're like, Sh like shit, shit, we are bad guardians. <laughs> <laughs> that tree used to be a nice, big, full, lush tree. It used to be a forest. <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was a whole population of living tree people. <laughs> Who's the nearest who's the nearest Greenlander that can take care of this? Oh shit, it's that new guy. We'll get him here quick. Or it'll take a, it'll take a few months. Take his soul. <laughs> Let's just shoot his soul over there. It'll be fine. <laughs> like wasn't Avan Sir supposed to fix this? What happened to him? <laughs> oh my god. Uh the thing that you know, I think it's kind of cool, and at the same time, it's kind of like, eh, is uh, every bit of these flashbacks are just, are the exact showcase issue just redrawn. <laughs> like, all, like all, almost all of the panels are identical. The dialogue is 100%, except, um, uh, like, like, the scene with Hal putting on Abin's corpse clothes in the sh in the showcase issue, it says, the caption says, after Hal Jordan has followed the spaceman's orders, and then in this issue it says, because Hal's narrating it, after I had followed the spaceman's orders, and like those, like that's the only like little change, and like a couple of the panels are have slightly different composition or placement, but like I'm flip I'm flipping back and forth. I'm looking at the two pages where um the ship gets irradiated and Hal gets the the costume. And I'm I'm looking back at those two those same two pages from the showcase issue, 
and it's completely like it's abs- it's like one to one interchangeable like you could switch panels around back and forth and it would be like the exact same thing and like huh that's kind of interesting at the same time it feels kind of yeah needless talking about, talking about the origin yeah yeah because <clears throat> yeah. Because I, I went back to double check to see, and it's, yep, it's the same. He disposed of the body before he played around with the cliff. <laughs> yeah. It's exact. Like, it's like, it's, it's like they just gave the exact same script and dialogue to. It's, this is, it is a different artist, right? No. It, they're both done by Gil Kane. Really? It yeah. looks completely different. I was gonna say I miss I miss the art from Showcase because it looked a lot cleaner. Um, also, uh, just you know, just to throw in one more creepy aspect, when Hal Jordan is going to recharge his battery and he gets the uh, the message from the Colorians uh, or from the Guardians to go save the Colorians, um, you see Hal Jordan is clearly in his you know his work outfit or whatever. And then, you know, he's staring directly at the battery. And in the next panel, you see the Guardians with a giant TV screen showing Hal Jordan putting the mask on. That basically means that they were watching him through the battery like a giant television as he changed into his costume. And they can see his full body, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, a, they're... Uh, it's like one of those, you know, angled lenses. And though, like, they're kind of admiring him while he says the oath. Like, I half expect one of them to say, what a man. <laughs> <laughs> he acts with commendable speed, repeating his Solomon. Solemn oath. <laughs> yeah, repeating his Solomon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have, like, <laughs> levers, buttons. It's like... You know, honestly, they should really have, like, some sort of more high-tech device, but they're showing, like, levers to make it look scientific and machine-like. Yeah. They do have a high-tech device. They stole his soul. With a lever. With a push of a <laughs> lever. <laughs> Hold on while I refill the hydraulic fluid. <laughs> then we'll steal your soul. And Hal Jordan is flying through space, and you can see his, uh, his hair whipping around in the wind. Oh yeah. Well, that's 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 just the air he brought with him, you know. Space air. <laughs> space wind. You gotta watch out for that space wind. Yeah. You know that panel where he has the thing in the pincers, and he's flying it away. Look yeah. at its face. It's like it's practically saying, "I'm cold." <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> in a thousand years, somebody will thaw me out and find that I'm dead. like i would love like you know a bunch of issues to go by and like have hal jordan go on trial for murdering this creature in ice (laughs) Uh... oh my god all right so do we move on to the next part i think we must all right because it just gets crazier folks Uh, this it gets creepier too. Menace of the giant puppet, and we start out with our introduction to Carol Ferris for the first time in this series. And right off the bat, she brings the crazy because she is <laughs> <laughs> she is sitting around in her office, and 
after after the editor is kind enough to take a quarter of the panel to point out to us that Carol is is in charge of the company and all that and how she's <laughs> she's like this competent female leader or whatever she immediately undercuts all of that by <laughs> by say, basically saying I'm I'm going to just sit by the phone forever just in case Green Lantern wants to call me and propose marriage. <laughs> <laughs> we got like, and she illustrates her evidence by t- remembering back to that other showcase issue where they're on a date at night, and she's sure he's gonna propose for some reason, but but uh, that guy is drowning in the lake or something, so Hal has to go save her, save him, whatever. So she's gonna sit by the phone forever, and <laughs> you know, cut to Hal Jordan as Green Lantern, who. You know, he's doing what superheroes do. He's flying in a parade like he's a balloon. <laughs> and But don't worry, folks. He's doing it to catch criminals. For parades. Criminals. Parades. <laughs> the, um, see, what happened? And keep in mind, he's supposed to wrap this whole parade thing up in time to call Carol and arrange a date. As Green Lantern, mind you, because she's psychotic. Um... There have been a string of of burglaries where you know the, these these people are committing crimes and once they're captured they they all make reference to it being like uh, it, it was like I was some sort of puppet like I couldn't control my limbs or my arms or my legs and those are my limbs and you know you know Green Lantern himself our boy Hal Jordan he busted one of these crooks as he was robbing a jewelry store bank store i don't know what it was it doesn't matter so he catches this guy takes him to police headquarters we'll say and the guy he busted says to the police it was like magic or something I was under a magic spell that's why I robbed the store and the police <laughs> says and the police say yeah that's probably true well we wouldn't believe it but other people have been using that excuse too they come out and say this guy is a known felon but he usually doesn't rob jewelry stores so he's prop there's probably something to this so i'm i'm assuming they just let him go but then we move on from here um (laughs) Now, the press has gotten wind of this event and the similar ones, and they keep public. There's like four or five newspapers in Coast City, and they're all printing. This is page one on all of them. Nothing else happens in Coast City. And they're announcing, you know, you know mystery puppet master rules underworld. Will Green Lantern defeat him? Blah, 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 blah. So Hal's like, you know what? I'm going to play on the media here. They've... They've kind of built up this little rivalry between me and the puppet master, as we'll call him. Let's let's make me a target. I will put myself in this parade to make myself a target and have him come after me. All the while, he's flying in front of a gigantic, scary-looking puppet, which I think is is mistake number one. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, here's a gunshot from right behind him, which apparently it didn't hit him or. It probably hit the crowd. I don't care. <laughs> the puppet has a gun. I don't know where it ha- got a gun from, but the puppet has a gigantic puppet-sized gun, and it's shooting at Hal. 
And, you know, he's trying to not get the crowd to panic, so he uses his magical alchemy ring to turn (laughs) the bullets into fireworks and streamers. And then he basically makes it look like a big show for the crowd. And there's one really angry-looking evil kid in the crowd that really loves seeing it. Um, And, you know, Cal traces the puppet's controls back to the guy working the crane, but he's passed out drunk. And, you know, he's like, well... I have no idea what's going on. Better scoot back and keep my date with Carol. It's exactly what he says. Then we cut really awkwardly to the puppet master, who's just hanging out in his house, talking out loud to himself about his evil plan. He he built, like, a mind-controlled telescope gun ray that it can mind-control you, but it can't make you do anything you don't want to do. But wait. Which is... Dan. It's a really bad mind control gun. <laughs> Dan, what if he had a yeah, Q-Circuit? Yeah. Well, oh, well, that's he... completely different. Well, yeah, because well... he installs one of those. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking it's it's like it's like a ma- one of those magnet letters from like those chalkboards you had when you were a little kid, and it's just the one that's shaped like the Q. He just put that in there. He just <laughs> stuck it to the side, and now it works. Because he, he found... Like he, he before he had to control criminals to commit crimes because their brains are wired for crime. That's how crime works. But he couldn't control normal people or superheroes. But now with his Q circuit, he can. So Green <laughs> Lantern, he's at a masquerade ball with Carol or something, and and all of a sudden he steps in something pink. He's like, "What the hell was that?" And he's like, "Oh, it must have been nothing." Then something, the pink thing grabs his arm. Ah, oh, what the hell was that? And he figures it must be. Puppetry, <laughs> and he—he's like, I have a be- the best idea ever, and then he just goes screaming into the night, <laughs> pulled backwards by these invisible pink glowing chains. <laughs> the puppet master thinks this is the greatest thing in the world. He's like, screw, yes, I have got him. And then as soon as as Hal shows up at, yeah, like he gets towed back to the secret hideout of the puppet master. Uh, he just shrugs off the the bomb. The, the the beams <laughs> because he was playing possum he's like well I could get out there whenever I wanted but now I've got you oh shit you're wearing yellow <laughs> so instead and of puppet- instead of stabbing him in the head <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the thing Al is immediately like neutered in this situation because this guy's wearing a yellow jumpsuit despite the fact that he's he's got a regular flesh tone head He's holding a gun that is bright red. Black belt. No, no, no. He's black belt. But the thing that that Hal figures out he could do that would best handle the situation is use his ring to pick up some random rope on the floor, (laughs) tie this guy up, and in the most sadistic and humiliating way possible, deliver him to the police by flying above him, walking him along the ground as a marionette. (laughs) (laughs) And then Carol, who noticed she's still sitting by the phone. <laughs> is, she, is she? Is she? Is she? Oh no, she changed clothes. Okay, that was. <laughs> she's wearing purple now. She was wearing green before. <laughs> she's. She hears a knock at the door. It, this is what she says. I see by the papers that Green Lantern has captured the Puppet Master. Now maybe he'll give me his undivided attention. And there's a knock at the door. She goes. Oh, that must be him now. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> and it's Hal. And 
I guess I don't think they ended this issue. They just sort of stopped writing it. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's you, Hal Jordan. I was expecting, and Hal just thinks Green Lantern. I bet it's a snap to get Carol to go for me as GL, but I'm determined to win her over as my real self, Hal Jordan. And then it's just over. It just ends. It's just <laughs> God. Like, yeah, you got enough. That was enough. <laughs> They're like, we're out of pages. <laughs> Can we just assume that Ferris Aircraft is not doing very well in business? <laughs> yeah, all she ever does when she's there is sit around. <laughs> well, it's it's not that. In the editor's note, it makes very specific mention that uh, Willard Ferris is off on a two-year round-the-world cruise <laughs> and left Carol in charge on the condition that she would in- avoid any romantic entanglements, but yet she still has the gall and wherewithal to call her father and ask for permission to marry Green Lantern should the proposal ever actually happen. And Carol and and Carol's father just goes, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, you crazy bitch. <laughs> I I love the fact that so far, as far as we can tell. These two people are the only ones that actually work at this company. <laughs> and neither of them do it. Like, Hal flies planes sometimes, and he invents simulators. Carol doesn't do anything. And, she just and, sits around being crazy. <laughs> and, and and who in a, of us who, you know, if, if you've ever been in relationship people out there, when someone says the words, being with you means a lot to me, you're wonderful, dot, dot, dot. Is it usually followed by butt? Because <laughs> she's like, ooh, go on, tell me more. And then he follows that up by saying, I've been thinking, Carol. <laughs> and that's usually followed by what? We should probably see other people or something to that effect. But she's still, like, waiting with bated breath. What's he going to say? <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't say butt, though. No, no, no. The, the ellipsis implies butt to me. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's funny, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Being with you means a lot to me, Carol. You're wonderful, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I've been thinking, Carol. All of which he says with a giant pot plant behind him. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Nobody noticed those leaves, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so now... Um, Carl, oh no, not Carl, Willard Ferris now. <laughs> yeah, get it straight, his name is Willard. Yeah. Um, he'll be back in a year, because Green Lantern's been a Green Lantern for a year now. Yeah, he's still not any more effective than he was in his first week. <laughs> yeah, he spends half this, this story uh, in a parade, and then the other half <laughs> in a dance club with Carol. <laughs> um, <laughs> things we learned about Green Lantern this issue um, one Hal Jordan has the speed of Flash <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> talk about that keep... that change sequence <laughs> <laughs> he can revolve the door at high speed and change into his Green Lantern costume and come and then... out and throw up everywhere <laughs> <laughs> Immediate, immediately after which we're informed that 
when he's Hal Jordan, his power ring, where does he what does he do with it? Well, he keeps it in a secret pocket. <laughs> Why does it have to be a secret pocket? Why can't it just be a pocket? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cuz you know, other people can see into his pocket. <laughs> and then later Why on Later on, we're informed that Hal Jordan's ring also has the power of Firestorm. <laughs> he can change Ray Blast into confetti. <laughs> yeah, well, well, thank goodness. If he has a secret pocket, why didn't he put those plans for those that space plane in it before those spies stole it, like, a couple issues ago? Well, that's probably why he installed the secret, the secret pocket. That's true. That is just sensible. <laughs> also, now, wait, wait, wait. Because... This is very, very, very pre the costume magically showing up from the ring. So not only can is he in this revolving door going at the speed of light so nobody can see him change, he's actively like taking off clothes and putting <laughs> yes. other clothes on the same way a normal person does, just moving insanely fast in a revolving door. Yeah, that's why I said... Like, as soon as he gets out, he's throwing up everywhere. Like, you couldn't keep moving and do that. I, I was I was also wondering, if he changed the, you know, the blast, the ray blast, mind you, from the puppet, who, by the way, it's a giant puppet, therefore he's carrying a giant ray gun, and he turns that blast into confetti. Why then, when this scientist confronts him with a regular-sized ray gun, does he think, you know what? The only way out of this is to pick up this rope here. <laughs> <laughs> what is up with that guy's head? Do you see how fucking big his forehead is? What's up with his pants, dude? Look at his thighs. What's with well, like, the weird villain? Oh, that's... Pants were like that back then. It's like aviator pants. <laughs> it's like launch pad and a quack pants. Yeah. Seriously, look at that guy's head. Like, look at the image right below Hal uh, flying away in the first page where you see the bad guy. Look at look how much space his face takes up. You could fit a slightly smaller face <laughs> on his forehead. That's probably to imply that he has, like, a big brain because he's an evil, you know, scientist. You know, I got that from the giant telescope puppet mind control gun. <laughs> Not for nothing, but that puppet... That is such an evil-looking puppet. Like, who would put that in a parade? Exactly. Wait, who would put that in a parade? And why the fuck does it have a ray gun? Nobody caught that? <laughs> what was this parade for? <laughs> they just throw parades in this town. Coast City is the happiest place on Earth. It's just filled with parades and masquerade balls. Where, Carnivals. Where, where, mind you, Hal Jordan, and again, mind you, flying low to the ground, decides to use the parade and all the parade goers, half of which are probably children, as bait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Even better, like, this this giant puppet, like, starts to fire at him. Hal Jordan's first tactic is to turn the blast into confetti and then get the gun away from the puppet. Not cut the strings. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's a puppet. Hmm. Why did they not have balloon technology back then? Like, why did? Because no, they're, they're seriously. They had balloon technology. There was a pink 
elephant? Wait. Holy shit, I just saw that. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. The pink elephant is also being held up on strings. No, but, I mean, there's just a gigantic industrial crane driving down the streets with this giant marionette hanging from it. Yeah. There's no, like, fl- it's just these two puppets and Hal Jordan. <laughs> nothing else in this parade. <laughs> and lots of people. My God. Coast- <laughs> the shittiest parade ever. Seriously, Coast... Coast what? Okay, let's, 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 let's run down the list. So far, Hal's fought crime at a parade, at a carnival. Yeah, the uh, he's gone, is the best. He's gone to, like, six co- six parties. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like you said... Restaurants. It's like you said the last time we reviewed one of these issues. It's like the only crime that Hal Jordan never stops is like the instant incidental crime that he just happens to be near while it's happening. <laughs> so, <laughs> anybody else notice the giant crowd outside of police headquarters as Green Lantern parades this guy <laughs> through the streets and up up to the police department? <laughs> This watching this heinous act by this superhero. (laughs) (laughs) Just standing in the street watching what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, because that's the thing. None of them know who this guy is. It's just some (laughs) random guy that Green Lantern is harassing. It's like, that's my geometry teacher. (laughs) Directly across the name of the paper that that Carol is reading. News Herald Times. <laughs> just like a bunch of random pieces of, of three different paper headline titles and just threw them together. That's, that sounds like a paper to me. <laughs> it's the Newsday Post USA Today. <laughs> like on the... Um, that's especially weird because like that's not... They, they named three of the newspapers earlier in the story. They had like... One, they had the City Journal and the Morning News, which are stupid, but they have the Coast City Sentinel. <laughs> like, why Why don't you just use that one? It's named after your city. <laughs> no, we have to have another one. There's a lot of newspapers in this town. There are. I like how the, he- like the headlines are half the page. <laughs> <laughs> well, they put out a newspaper in the morning and the afternoon, so they have to make everything really big to take up space. That was a real thing, too. I like that. Yeah. Look at her eyes when she's reading that paper. Does that creep anybody else out? I can't see her eyes. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> they're wide open, but they're still colored tan, so it's just yeah. <laughs> and like oh, when man. she, she's just like like shaking violently when Hal comes through the door. <laughs> God. I can't wait to see her first Star Sapphire transformation because I feel like it's gonna be so. Mu- I feel like there's gonna be some kind of payoff because she's she's clearly been bottling up this like psychotic rampage that's just waiting to come out. Yeah, I don't know that she's necessarily been bottling it up. It seems like that's been right on the surface the whole time. Yeah, but she's been very, very, you know, let's wait and see what happens about it. <laughs> God. 
They never even named this guy. Oh, they call him the Puppet Master, I guess. He's just this random guy who, I guess, has really a really great loft apartment or something. <laughs> oh, he had this one great line, completely out of nowhere, where he just, for no reason, says, Science can be used for good or evil. I choose the latter because it would be more profitable for me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, you basically have to take that entire scene as, like, this guy is completely batshit insane because he's giving his evil monologue to an empty room of only himself. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, this this was fun. Y'all had enough crazy for today. <laughs> I guess not, since we now have a Larflees report. Ah. Oh! Do we want to do that or the other thing? Um... The other thing can be something short afterwards. We have another thing? Sure. Oh, I, don't want, I don't know what the other thing is. Well, you'll have to stick around and see. Oh, I'm not gonna. After these messages. <laughs> uh, hey, wait, wait a second. Mes- you know, actually, I think, I think I can come up with a message. Okay, so, yeah, so a brief, uh, a brief message before we get to the Larflees report. Our, uh... I guess it's producer is the term we have for him, right? Producer. What do you Ooh, usually say? Names? Fantastic? Epic. Epic. The epic producer. <laughs> yeah, epic lantern cast producer James Doyle has uh, a new project that he's uh, he's doing right now. It's uh, it's called Knights, a superhero RPG. Uh, it's an RPG game in the style of either like Pokemon or some of the earlier um, Final Fantasy games. Um, only this time... It, Zelda? Well, it's more like a Pokemon thing with the battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Final Fantasy. Um, Zelda, the battles didn't really work the same way. But it's based on superheroes. Um, and, uh, he's got, like, uh, the first couple of minutes, you know, of gameplay, um, in a video that he, uh, he created. And it's actually, it's pretty funny. So if you like superheroes, you know, with uh, a sense of humor, um, and you like video games like that, then what you need to check out is uh, go to Indiegogo.com slash KnightsRPG. Uh, we'll throw a link on the uh, the website also, but it's uh, Indiegogo, I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com slash Knights, K-N-I-G-H-T-S, R-P-G. Um, And uh, it's kind of like a Kickstarter, except that no matter what this ends at, James will, you know, get the money to put towards, you know, developing this video game. Um, And there's some some really cool uh, rewards and things like that. You can actually be part of the game, which is very neat. Uh, Or if you, you know, if you just want to, you know, play the game... uh, that's, you know, $5 and you get to play the game when it's completed. $15, you get the game and also a digital copy of the game soundtrack, which is actually really good. Uh, and I'm kind of wondering why James has never created music for us, but, you know. <laughs> oh! <laughs> no, it's really good music. It's, it's like, terrific. Um, you know, it's, 
in the game, it's more like the, you know, I guess, what, 8-bit music styling? But it's good. It's really good. Um, so everybody should check this out if you want to thank, thank James for, you know, all of his producing, which, honestly, you should be thanking him for his producing. Otherwise, these episodes would be unlistenable. Um, go over to Indiegogo.com slash KnightsRPG and uh, pledge some money to help him create his, his video game. Did you do it yet? Did I? No, the listeners. Oh. <laughs> Did you? Not yet, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I told lots of people about it, though. That should count. I'm going to. I definitely am. Chad. I'm not paid till Friday, but then, yeah. Chad's like, no, I hate James. (laughs) He makes me sound like a chipmunk and all this other crap all the time. Well, maybe you need to pay him off so he won't. Ever think of that? Yeah. That's (laughs) not how bribes work, man. Think of it. Don't think of it as a bribe. Think of it as protection money. Then it'll have to be monthly. <laughs> All right, that's fine. <laughs> I'm sure he could use the cap. <sighs> cool. I'm actually I'm watching his video right now again. It does look really cool. Yeah. Did he make this entirely himself? I wasn't listening to you. I was watching the video. <laughs> I I think so. Wow. I'm actually contributing right now. How much are you contributing? Yeah, how much? Yeah, I'm doing the audio heaven right now. I I definitely, definitely want in at that level, because I really like the soundtrack. Um, If I can do more, I will, but I don't know if I'll be able to. So. Oh, yeah, you have that thing growing inside your wife. Yes. And a brand new apartment. And a brand new apartment. Okay. I've contributed. Going to refresh this and see if you're telling the truth. (laughs) I've contributed live on the air. It's audio gold. Yep. Ah, yeah, you did it. Cool. Okay. So, what's next? Okay, Larfley's report. Larfley's report. Oh, good. Uh, You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is your, let's see. This is your idea. <laughs> yeah, really. Hey, you wanted to I, do this. I got a project at work dropped unexpectedly on me. I basically have to make 380 outbound calls to dealerships over the next month. <laughs> That's it. No, uh, you also have to like, you also have to out, uh, document the calls a certain way, and it's 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 a lot more tedious than it sounds. Trust me. Awesome. Uh, all right. Did you not Let's... get a chance to do the Larfleys report? No, I did. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so I just didn't. I'm just gonna wing it. <laughs> no, well, like twelve and a half calls a day. That's fine. You know. I I I didn't uh, have as much time to prepare it as I would have liked. I I, I had. Uh, 
spent some time emailing all the choices over to myself and thinking that I'd have some extra time at work today to take care of it, and I got a project dropped in my lap, so I didn't get a chance to do it. But This should be the best Larvillies report ever. Yes, it should. <laughs> hey, LanternCast family, I'm Chad Bokelman, and welcome to the Larflees Report for stuff shipping in um, August. Yes, August. All right, it's no secret by now that Jeff Johns is something epic in the works for Green Lantern, but with Black Hand now free of the Indigo Tribe influence, those plans are definitely starting to live up to expectations. Join us for Green Lantern uh, number 12 on sale August 8th to find out just what Black Hand's plans are and exactly how far Hal and Sinestro will go to stop them. Uh, Green Lantern annual number one. Annuals are back, sweet. Uh... <laughs> This 48-page, $5 issue, out August 29th, didn't you know, concludes the Revenge of the Black Hand storyline and swears that, with art by Ethan Van Skyver, everything will change in this issue. Everything. God, I hope that doesn't mean another reboot. (laughs) I'm game. This last one worked out pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) With the Alpha War wrap-up and the reveal of Jon Stewart's final fate... One would think GLC-12, out August 15th, has enough action for one $3 issue. Nope, we also get Guy versus the Guardians. Seatbacks and trade tables in their full upright positions, people. This is going to be a heck of a ride. Green, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, don't sound, you don't sound like you believe that at all. <laughs> I can't like, believe you just this, said that. Sit back, everybody. It's going to be a heck of a ride. Anyway. <laughs> I don't. Come on, y'all. GLC, it's what? Our third favorite book? Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> if that... It's, anyway. it's like, sometimes it's number one or two for me. Mm. Yeah, sometimes I would say it's usually, like, second or third place. Like, it, it varies from week to week. Yeah. Well, there you go. Green Lantern New Guardians number 12 finally reveals to us who stole the rings from the other cores and why. Invictus takes his final bow, though in what capacity we don't know, and the Larflees versus the rest of the New Guardians fight is so huge it continues into this issue. And that comes out on August 22nd. Who stole the rings from the Lantern Jar? It's not even fun. Don't even. Why, why do you do these things? Somebody out there, somebody out there is playing the rest of that song in their head. Somebody out there is just rocking out while walking down the street, just like fist pumping the air. I like how you make fun of me for saying things like seat backs and tray tables in their full upright positions, and then you make cheesy songs out of stuff I say, and you think it's cool. No, I definitely don't think it's cool. I think it's kind of funny. I think it's hysterical that. You actually came up with the seats in their upright positions. It's going to be a bumpy ride or something. <laughs> That's freaking hilarious. And then you delivered it as though you had never read this before. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Get ready for more excitement than you will ever know in your life. <laughs> it's going to be a thrill a minute. <laughs> Speaking of thrills a minute, uh, oh, Red, Lan- <laughs> Red Lanterns number 12, out August 1st. Belize becomes captive of the Star Sapphires. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah Belize becomes captive of the Star Sapphires. There, there's more to this issue, I'm sure. 
something about Rancor being poisoned in some sort of battle. But I'm just going to leave you with that mental image. Blees chained up by Star Sapphires. <laughs> drawn by Tyler Kirkham. Yep. Oh, he's drawing a Red Lanterns issue? No. Wait, no, I just... the cover, I guess? The, the, no. What book is this? Oh. Red Lanterns. I oh, just got so the... Tyler Kirkham is nowhere near this book. <laughs> no, I just think Blees and, and Star Sapphires, and I think Tyler Kirkham, so I made an error there. So, uh, but basically, you want to leave us with the image of what that would look like, drawn by Tyler Kirkham, even though the issue clearly is not. Yes. Okay. I'm just giving you the mental image of what could be. <laughs> what should be. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, that sounds like a great commission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's see. Uh, trades out here coming out soon. Greenlander New Guardians Volume 1 Ring Bearer Hardcover. This comes out October 17th for $22.99. Uh, written by Tony Bedard and art by Tyler Kirk- Kirkham. It's a hardcover. If you don't get it, you're insane. I think it's one of the best books of the New 52. And uh, to have that art and that storytelling in a single hardcover volume makes me very happy. That's uh, seven issues? Uh, I believe so. Seven issues hardcover for twenty three bucks is not a bad price, and considering that you probably get it for closer to like fourteen on DCBS, fourteen fifteen dollars, um, that's a pretty good price. Although, like I can see people avoiding it because they want a trade paperback as opposed to a hardcover. Right, but knowing how long it takes DC to put out trade paperbacks uh, after the hardcovers are released, it's it's gonna probably take better. Forever. Yeah, you might as well just get the hardcover. Um, let's see other uh, trades coming out. The Brightest Day Volume Three trade paperback set out September twelfth for sixteen ninety nine. This is the final volume of the Brightest Day storyline, uh, but in trade paperback form. So. <laughs> I'm going to label that one Plague. <laughs> <laughs> Green Lantern War of the Green Lanterns trade paperback. That's the entire storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, September 5th, uh, 1699. So actually, that one actually came out pretty fast, didn't it? Because it was only like a, a couple months ago that the hardcover came out, right? Wait. I think so. They put out a hardcover of the War of the Green Lanterns, and now they're putting out a trade paper with a trade paperback that has everything no 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 the, the hardcover had um the entire storyline right uh and now the trade paperback is coming out a few months later with all the same stuff right and it's only how much 16.99 that's a really good price yeah it comes out september 5th so i guess you know another couple months after that so yeah, i guess it's about mm-hmm. what six months uh between hardcover and trade paperback so that that's basically set to come out right when they have the new War of the Green Lanterns or something. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. Uh, that's a little. Chad, how much? How much did you say the New Guardians hardcover was? Twenty three. Twenty. Yeah, twenty two ninety nine. Okay. Um, DCBS, right? Just as a point of comparison, DCBS has the. This is probably isn't the same month or whatever, but the Green Lantern Core hardcover is the same price, and DCBS lists it for eleven forty nine. So you'll get, for, so the New Guardians hardcover is fifty percent through DCBS. 
That's that's a good deal. Yeah, that is a really good deal, and that's that comic is absolutely worth it. Mm, for sure, at least for even just for the art alone. <laughs> All right, from Mad Mad yeah Mad TV, the Mad Just Us. That's J U S dash U J U S T dash U S League of Stupid Heroes Series Two. Alfred E. Newman as Green Lantern. Out September 5th. Yeah, this is a uh, statue of sorts about, you know, a foot or less uh, tall. Uh, the, the the solicit actually didn't have a price or much in the way of size, but it uh, basically goofy-looking Alfred E. Newman as Green Lantern. So. Didn't they already make one of those? No, they did the Wave 1, the, the, the Series 1. Uh, I can't remember what was in that, but um, <clears> this 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 uh, Series 2 is Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and Flash. Um, They've definitely done figures or something, because I've yeah. seen this before, too. Like, a Green Lantern... Like, <clears throat> like are, these sta- are these statues or are these toys? Statues. Okay, because the, they were toys before, so they're doing statues now. That's weird. Yeah, I'm looking at the figure now. Um, he has replacement hands, and he's carrying a, like a lantern. Yeah. And they're now making a statue of it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really get that. I don't think that they did that well when they first came out. No. And let's see, what else Green Lantern related... Um, oh, uh, there's a t-shirt, although previews is not really doing such a good job every, uh, every other page or so about the t-shirts on who actually puts this out. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. Keep an eye on graffiti designs or superhero stuff.com or something like that. Just to see if you can find this shirt somewhere. It is called the big bang theory, the penny equation, green t-shirt. It's a, Picture. It's a green T-shirt with a picture of Sheldon on the front, and the reason it's Green Lantern related is he's wearing a Green Lantern T-shirt in the picture, and it's uh, three times knock times three plus one cent. <laughs> so it's so it's penny penny penny. You know, so all that stuff. It's it's. Wait, I don't know how many times he knocks. Three penny penny penny. Yeah. Yeah, I just keep. But that's broken down into an equation. (laughs) Nice. All right, let's see here. Oh, Dan, you're just in time to uh, finally hear my uh, new segment within my segment. Oh God! Oh my God! Oh God! I heard you talking about this on the last episode. (laughs) Who'd you get? Who'd you get to uh, to record your your segment? It's gonna be like a segment. Nobody, because your idea was retarded. (laughs) Oh, take that, old man. Your segment within a segment is retarded. <laughs> this, is, this is Inception all over again. What the heck? I'm sorry, I'm, I miss, I'm missing something here. Alright, whatever. There was something else I wanted to talk about, but I seem to have misplaced my issue of previews. That's strange. So bring it on, the Redonkulous Duo. It's not the Redonkulous Duo, you tard. The Redonkulous <laughs> Duo, and then he'll go on about eight different items. Yeah. By the hey. way, I had... I had to look up, um, uh, what was it, Thor, the Unkillable Thunder Christ? Mm-hmm. 
and just make sure it was real. <laughs> it <laughs> is, isn't show it? it? And then show it and its solicitation to as many people as possible. <laughs> I, I, I found my issue previous and for some strange reason flicked to exactly what I was going to talk about that I missed. One last item that's Green Lantern related from DC Super Pets, their little line there. DC Super Pets Battle Bugs of Outer Space trade paperback. Now, what does that possibly have to do with Green Lantern? Well, I'll just directly read the solicitation. The evil Sinestro Corps insects have invaded a basketball game on Earth. Thankfully, the Green Lantern Bug Corps are out to stop them. If they don't, America's pastime might become the world's worst pest crime. Yeah. That was as bad as a Jim Ford joke. That, oh, yeah, that was horrible. Yep. It, is this uh, still Art and Franco? Uh, let's see. Writing by Jane B. Mason and art by Art Balthazar. Okay. At least Art's there. Yeah. Oh, and it's at a baseball game, not basketball. Sorry. God. Uh, yeah, but the uh, I don't want to read anymore. <laughs> this uh, 56-page five by eight trade is five bucks. Nice. Not bad for a kids' book. Yeah. All right, there and now time once again for the ridiculous, ridiculous duo. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Now, believe it or not, in this massive, massive magazine, I only found one thing that was kind of ridiculous and had to stretch to find the other. Do you believe it, Jim? Do you? For a second, I thought he was just going to say that he only had one for the duo. Um, (laughs) Well, then he would have to do it twice. No. No. I'm going to start with the one I had to stretch to find. Spider-Man Black Costume Museum Pose Statue. Out in September, this 12-inch tall statue is $225. Now, now, this is why it's part of the ridiculous duo. Can you picture in your head Black Suit Spider-Man? Yes. It is very, very, very plain. There's not a whole lot you need to do to it. $225. How tall? 12 inches. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, the, I mean, black suit spot, I mean, if it was like Venom or something, you know, crazy tongue, you know, cool little design decals or whatever all over his uh, his suit, yeah. But it's just black suit Spider-Man, not mouth open to anything, not standing in a cool pose, just standing there wearing the suit for $225. Who makes it? Marvel. I don't know uh, who uh, who exactly. I'll have to. I'd have to look it up. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I can kind of understand that for for that price. That's that size statue. You really? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't pay it. Oh, yeah. But, you, what'd you call it? Like, uh, a bunch of years ago, um, Marvel teamed up with, uh, what, what, who was it? Um, God, I can't remember the name of the company now. NECA? I want to say NECA. Um, or something that sounds remotely 
you know, similar to that. Um, and uh, they put out these statues that were only available through the website. So that when they listed the statue, you basically had to be online that day and, you know, order the statue as soon as possible because they were a very limited amount. But the thing was, these statues were, like, they basically sold them for cost. So you got, like, uh, I, I bought a, a Psylocke statue, which was, like, it's probably close to, like, a foot tall, maybe maybe 10 inches tall, something like that. Beautiful Psylocke statue for, like, $45. Um, an amazing, you know, Spider-Man statue where, like, he's crouched. The base is probably, like, you know, a foot wide, $35. There was a Nightwing statue. I mean, like, they only made, like, a few of them. Um, and I think I missed one of them. But uh, then they eventually had to stop because they were not making anywhere near enough money. But the things were selling for, like, less than $50 a piece. And they were gorgeous pieces. So it's like... You know that these statues could be sold for a lot less money. You know, like, obviously they can't sell them for $35 because you're just not going to make any money. There's no incentive to keep doing it, you know, let alone pay for the license. But, you know, like, that's 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 it, though. Like, you're paying, when you pay $220 for, you know, a 12-inch statue of black costume Spider-Man, you're paying for the licensing because it's probably not Marvel putting out. It's probably Sideshow or Bowen, one of them. Um, those, those are the guys that, you know, have the licenses <laughs> to make statues. So, you know, they're paying a license fee, and then, you know, you have to have your man manufacturing fee. You have to figure that Diamond is going to get a cut. Uh, the comic book store has to get a cut. Um, so by the time, like, Bowen you know, finally, you know, walks away, like, they're, they're not making a lot of money on these, these statues, um, you know, but, you know, everybody has to get their cut for the statue to be in the system. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, that's boring! I want to hear less about Jim walking uphill in the snow both ways to get his Psylocke statue and more about the ridiculous Uno that is left. <laughs> I, I hope that's the one that you were stretching. That was the one I was stretching. Okay, thank God. Because next comes something from my very own home state. Proving that Texas is just as crazy as apparently Dan and Jim think it is. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> from Ar from Archaea Press. Go stereotypes. For 1995, Pantalones, Texas, the hardcover. Follow a band of misfit kids from a rural Texas town as they try to outwit, outrun, and outprank the ever vigilant <sighs> taco truck riding sheriff and his giant chicken. <laughs> How how giant of a chicken are we talking here? We're talking its head is as big as the man riding it. Huh. And, and I do like how... And I double-checked the solicitation because I thought I might have misread it. It is not Taco Truck driving Sheriff. It is Taco Truck riding Sheriff. So is he, like, sitting on top of the truck? I don't know. Is it... 
There's so many questions, Dan. So many like maybe questions. Maybe it's maybe it's being pulled like like a wagon train by the giant chicken and he's sitting on top of the hood. Man. Uh, yeah. So you see know. these things you see these things every day, right? Because you live here. Yes. Yes. Yes I do, and I was prepared like, for that, sir. They're like they're like pigeons to you. You just you yep. don't even bat an eye. Yep. Are there special signs, like, along highways and streets and everything? Giant like chicken the, crossing? Yeah, like the silhouettes of the chicken pulling a taco truck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, people know, do people know not to try and get their lunch from the taco truck, that there could be imminent justice that needs to be deal, dealt out at any moment? <laughs> where where do yeah, they I, get their tacos? Are there safe zones for taco sales that these wagons do not roam? You got some more? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) And um, just to uh, prove how strange I am, I'm going to pre-order it. Oh, God. (laughs) But, but Chad, you're a citizen. Don't you get one complimentary in your newspaper every Sunday? (laughs) Oh, I don't... I'm just gonna buy it. Plus, I've always wanted to buy something from Arkea anyways. And will you this frame is it the and... thing that you pick? <laughs> will you frame yeah. it and mount it on the wall next to your NRA membership? <laughs> your shotgun collection? What you call it? I did a, a Google image search for Pantalones, Texas. <laughs> um, actually, I got some, some pretty nice results. I have nothing to do with the comic. Just, you, know, you know the pants, pictures of pants. You know, you know, you know the them. fact that it's an Archaea book means it's probably going to be fantastic. Yep, I like how <laughs> they're trying to out prank the taco truck riding sheriff and his giant chicken. Ooh, outwit, not run. I don't, I don't know, but out prank a taco truck riding sheriff and a giant chicken. That just sounds like a I lot got- of fun. For- I gotta believe that that sheriff has seen all there is to see. The sheriff <laughs> appears to be evil. Yes. Do you think? Do you think all? The, the, Chad, do all lawmen in Texas ride around on this this mode of uh, transportation? Like, is there no. an abundance of taco trucks and giant chickens? In in I mean, obviously there are an abundance of giant chickens, but no, there, like, there's an abundance of taco trucks. Are ooh are they? He's there clearly the... he's clearly driving the taco truck. Do you think it's his taco truck? Is it state issued? Did he have to bring his own? Did he used to be a taco salesman, a taco <laughs> vendor, if you will? Learn all these answers and more when you read El Taco Truck Pant Guy. What's this book called? <laughs> Pantalones <laughs> TX. That one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that one. I'll pick it up and let you know how it went. We'll, we'll be looking forward to a review on the air. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, out of all the titles from Archaea, <laughs> that's the one that you picked to... Oh, God. I want you to go through and do and write up DVD commentary for this book. <laughs> and then publish it on the internet for every... Send it to Archaea. So they can put out a special anniversary absolute edition someday and enhance the reader's experience tenfold. 
Oh, indie pick. <laughs> My- oh, thank God. <laughs> Michael Avon Omings, The Victories, number one. From Dark Horse. This is probably one of the first times I've actually picked from Dark Horse. Um, <laughs> it's probably the first time you've ever mentioned anything from Dark Horse. Yep. Mostly, well, no, 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 no. I remember when they were re-releasing Magnus the Robot Fighter. Uh, start, yeah. Starting that series up. I did do that. Never mind. Um, but the victory's number one of five. Uh, $3.99 book on sale August 15th. Um, the art style looks cartoony, very dark, thick-lined. Um, if you've um, ever read The Sixth Gun, the art style kind of reminds me of that in a way. Uh, the cover looks almost like a Dark Horse ripoff of Batman. What's it called? Uh, the Victories. Uh, and it's by Michael Avon Oming. He's the writer, the artist, and did the cover. Um, and a quote actually from Brian Michael Bendis says, Michael, uh, Mike Oming is one of the great people and comic artists on the planet Earth. I think he might mean greatest, whatever. I've been dying. <laughs> That's quite a quote. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've been dying for Mike to write and draw his own book for years, and here it is. If you like powers, you will love the victories. Wait, is that you talking, or is that somebody else you're quoting? Brian Michael Bendis. All right. He, well, he has like to you. say that. They're yeah. like brothers. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, and the solicitation, just because it, I just read it, uh, the the one-page preview over there, uh, and it, I just the art drew me in, the fact that it looks like a Batman ripoff, blah, blah, blah. Um, Not long from now, all that will stand between you and evil are the victories. Six heroes sworn to protect us from crime, corruption, and the dark. As one member cracks down on the violence, he discovers himself touched by a painful past through the psychic powers of Link. Will this trauma cause him to self-destruct or continue the fight? And it's the raunchiest superheroes since the boys. Hmm. So that's, you see that's the victories. Yeah, the victories. Okay. You see the solicitations or any images there? I think so. Batman ripoff. Yeah, I'm not really feeling this. No. I like it. Enough to give it a try. Plus, I don't give enough uh, money over to indie publishers these days, so I'll, I'll definitely check out something from Dark Horse every now and then if something catches my eye. Because it's very rare that something from Dark Horse does. Not to put them down, it's just there's only so many Star Wars books and BPRD books you can read, so... <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, what'd you call it? They put out... Did you know that they put out a comic? It was, uh... Like how the Jedi formed, basically. Like, the origin yeah, yeah, of the yeah, Jedi. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that yeah. Yeah, that one is selling out. It, well, that's the thing. Like, yeah, it's really good. I read the first issue. I found out that that comic existed about, like, a week or two after the first issue came out, and by then yeah. it was completely sold out. Yeah, I'm the one that told you. Probably. Yeah. I probably could have told you months ago, too. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, like, I had no idea, well, yeah, I found out months ago also from, probably from Chad, um, and, uh, yeah, so now it's, like, completely sold out everywhere, so, like, this comic that I wanted to check out, like, I can't, 
And then it's like, by the time they finally start rolling out the, you know, the reprints, it's like they're like, you know, they're on issue three already or whatever. So it's like, well, what's the point of getting a reprint if I might as well just wait until the whole series is over and just get it in trade? Because I think that's a miniseries, right? That's like a four-issue miniseries or something? Um, yes. it, is, it is not advertised in this month's issue of previews, <laughs> so I'm assuming that that means it's over. So, yes, it's miniseries. Yeah. Although they are, um, they are picking up a new Star Wars series, of course, um, as they do. Uh, over in Dark Horse, uh, let's see, there is going to be The Lost Tribe of the Sith. Uh, that starts number 105. There's also going to be... I think there's there's a couple others. I, I just don't have them up right now. But Lost Tribe of the Sith is one of them that's coming out uh, very soon. So, uh, Let's see, Marvel Pick. Now... Did Chad flip through every single page of the Marvel previews little booklet and pick something? Or did he find something that immediately caught his eye and just dropped the book and said, yep, that's it? Well, let's go with the latter of the two options. Because Gambit, number one, and number two. Oh, boy. At least it's not Uh, (laughs) Simcoat. Almost happened. Almost happened. Just so you know. (laughs) Because <laughs> uh, supposedly there's some Amazing Spider-Man six number something. It's like the 50th anniversary issue or something that has like all the symbiotes in it. It's got you know the crazy suited uh, tech Spider-Man from Civil War, regular Spider-Man, Scarlet Spider, um, Venom, Carnage, Toxin, Anti-Venom. Like all of them were on the cover. So I was gonna pick that close oh, second. What issue is that? Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 6, I want to say 623, but for some reason in this room that doesn't have much furniture, I've somehow still managed to misplace my issue of Marvel previews. Wait a second, 623? Yes. That doesn't sound right, because aren't they gearing up for issue 700 where Dan I Slott... Said, I said I think. I'm going from memory here. So maybe it's 683? Maybe. It's the 50th anniversary issue. Anyways, Gambit number one and number two, uh, $2.99 each. And one of the two solicitations is, and this sold me, bonus. Belladonna is not in these issues. (laughs) Oh, I'm trying to remember if I know that character is. I read that whole... Belladonna is essentially the heir to the um, Assassin's Guild. She's like the princess of the Assassin's Guild in New Orleans. And she has oh. a on-again, off-again loving relationship with um, Gambit because at one point they were going, they were supposed to marry to uh, ease tensions between the Assassin's Guild and the Thieves' Guild. Yes. Yes, that is, that is who Belladonna is. <laughs> yeah, did you... Did you read that um, that Gambit series that ran for like twenty four issues? Twenty five. It, yeah, where he he fought like the blue dude at the end. Uh, I I have not read everything. Um, I am still actually working on collecting all that stuff, but uh, yeah. it is a goal of mine to have all the Gambit stuff. I actually have uh, um, the not the first appearance of Gambit. Uh, that, that is something I want. Um, but the uh, what is it? 
there was an issue of Marvel that had a hollow cover uh, from Marvel that had a hollow cover where it's like Gambit's greatest secret revealed. And it was like something that about him betraying the X-Men. Mm. I, I can't remember. It's one of the ones I have framed uh, in a plastic case that you know goes on the wall and all that. <laughs> but the nice. art, if you look it up, I, I don't have the name of the artist uh, here, but if you look it up, the new se- oh we actually do have the name of the artist hold on here I have a web page up here um, uh, artist Clay Mann uh, he did X Men Age of X he also fought Batman on many occasions <laughs> that's Clay Face oh it's completely different <clears throat> no Clay but uh, <laughs> uh, written by James Asmus uh, from Generation Hope and artist Clay Mann from X-Men Age of X. Oh. Have you... Do you see any of the... Isn't Generation Hope a bad book? I don't know. But... Because I don't read a lot of Marvel. But I... I've gambit ever since the 90s. Uh, X-Men cartoon has always been one of my top superhero characters, period. So... I had to pick. Uh, I had to, uh, the second I saw a new Gambit series was coming out. Despite the past history, uh, it's like it's like being a fan of, you know, Flash or something, and still putting up with each crappy reincarnation of Flash, just because Ooh. you love the character that much. Burn Flash fans. No, that, Gam- <laughs> that that Gambit series I asked you about was like, I love that series. I have like I'm missing a couple issues, but I have like basically the whole thing. It was a great book. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It lasted exactly one issue into a new arc or whatever, and then just got canceled. It's like, yeah, we're not going to do this after all. Yeah, and uh, let's see, the 2004 series only managed for about a year. Uh, there's a whole article about this new uh, series over at the, co- the comicsalliance.com. So just search the new Gambit ongoing comic or whatever, and you can read about all that. Uh, let's see here. Honorable mention, Homecoming number one from Aspen, another com- comic company I've wanted to try stuff from. Uh, this one is a $4 book out August 15th. And uh, it's something about a beautiful girl with amnesia who disappeared 10 years prior but returns with abilities and the premonition that stuff is about to go down. Um, I don't know, uh, but the art by Emilio Lacio looks gorgeous. Um and for $4, I'm willing to give this indie book a try. His art style kind of reminds me of like a um, rushed Jamie Tyndall. Like it, it reminds me of Jamie, but it's not as detailed as Jamie's. Hmm. Okay. What did Jamie Tyndall do? The pinups from the uh, convention. Oh, yeah, from Austin Comic-Con. Okay. Yeah. And (laughs) as if there was any doubt, my pick of the week. (laughs) You're the one that suggested when you first gave me this stupid uh, (laughs) uh, segment to call it pick of the week. (laughs) So don't laugh every time I say (laughs) pick of the week. (laughs) Wait a second. How can we be at your pick of the week now when you've already told us about Texas Pantaleones? Because I have yet to mention the pick of the week, and oh. out of this whole this this is a wild card, people. <gasps> uh, but if you 
we're flipping through previews and happen to flip through DC. It's kind of hard not to know what my pick of the week will be. Firestorm. S- Superman Earth One Volume Two Hardcover. October October 31st, this 136-page hardcover for $22.99, which possibly, not for sure, possibly, based on what Dan said earlier, means this book could be yours for roughly 12 bucks. Doubt it, but possibly. (laughs) Continues the story of the highly, highly volume-selling Superman Earth One series by Michael J. Straczynski and art by Shane Davis. The first one impressed the hell out of me, and the second one probably will do the exact same, if not more. The second one also did in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So apparently, and, and... Apologies for not coming up with something witty, but I mean, there's a, there's a two whole paragraphs in this solicitation, so I'd probably do better to read it for that. Young Clark Kent continues his journey toward becoming the world's greatest superhero, but finds dealing with humanity to be a bigger challenge than he ever imagined. From a ruthless dictator to a new love interest who's not Lois Lane, things are never easy for the emerging Man of Steel, and the worst is yet to come in the form of a man monster with an insatiable appetite, the Parasite. The only thing that might appease his hunger is the last son of Krypton. But that will also mean that he will have Superman's powers without his conscience, and Kal-El learns to live without powers beyond those of mere mortal men. So, there is that. Nice. And I'm looking forward to that. There's nothing, I mean, even the quotes on the cover here, a modern youthful take on the iconic superhero, USA Today, Aggressive. The Earth One line is introducing a number of DC's heroes to a new generation, the New York Times. So, I mean, this this thing has got a crap ton of press. Um, when it first came out, the, the first volume came out, and the second one, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I enjoyed the hell out of the first one, so. Loved it. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to this. I'm also really looking forward to uh, the first volume of Batman Earth One, which is supposed to be coming out sometime soon. Who's that one That's by? The, uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Huh. Yeah, Jeff Johns. I forgot about that. It's 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 actually coming out before uh, Superman Earth 1 Volume 2. Uh, oh yeah, I think it's supposed to be out in like a month or two or something. Actually, yes. I think it's supposed to be out this month. Nice. Really? Because it was... Uh... It was in the solicits for stuff that's coming out in June. I, I wait. Actually, it's on my Amazon wish list. Let me see what Amazon says. I, all I have to do is pull up Amazon real quick. Yeah. Uh. Actually, I think that might have already supposed to have been come out. What? No, no, no. That, might have already supposed to have been. That, that almost you heard that works. Right. That almost works as English. Yeah. <laughs> We'll just ask uh, Michael J. Straczynski what he thinks about that. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, the, the preview solicit says Superman Earth 1 comes out on October 31st or whatever. Uh, so Amazon lists it, though, as November 6th. So Batman Earth 1 says July 10th. So I'm imagining maybe a couple of days before July 10th, so July 8th. Yay! So that's coming out soon. Yes, sir. Jeff Johns. Uh, and Amazon has it if you pre-order now for fourteen forty-eight for the Batman Earth one, 
and twelve seventy one pre order for the Superman Earth one. Nice. You know why I think I liked the uh, Earth One Superman Volume One mm-hmm. so much? It's like it's a completely new retelling of Superman. You know, they basically are creating a brand new character where there once was, you know, Superman, but they're still telling the original mm-hmm. stories of Superman. You know, like the the, the Superman that we've known, you know, forever. It's like those stories are still being told while they also have this completely accessible Earth-1 Superman, you know, that stands alone, you know, as something different. But you still have both. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And now I'm going to use that to segue. <laughs> hmm? Oh, before before we do that, just one quick second. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'll just sorry. kill the segue. No, oh, shut up. That's all, it's what we do. It's what we do. Halloween costumes were solicited in this issue. Three detailed masks. Um, each, or let's see, one is 40, one is 55, the other is 45. Uh, Blackest Night Batman zombie, Blackest Night Hawkman zombie, and Blackest Night Flash zombie. Uh, $40, $55, and $45 respectively. Uh, as well as a Blackest Night Batman zombie deluxe costume, which is actually from uh, neck to uh, boots, the costume as well as Blackest Night Flash zombie costume, uh, neck to boots, and the uh, you purchase the masks individually. Mm-hmm. And the costumes are $60 for Batman and 55 for Flash. That sounds awful. Wait, uh, it, fi- did you say there's a $5 difference? <laughs> yes. What the hell? Why? <laughs> you have a cape with Batman. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's five bucks. All right, okay. God. All right, so Jim, you're gonna hate on people now. Go ahead. <laughs> well, okay, so we got the official announcement that Alan Scott is being rebooted and his entire history discarded, uh, and they're relaunching him as supposedly like a major gay character in the DC universe. Now, yes. now I, sh- I want to kind of get out in front of this because I think just from interacting with you over the last few days, your issue, I want to make sure we make this clear is not, doesn't really seem to be that they're making him gay. It's just that they're, they're, inflicting like a lot whole lot of change to him across the board in general like you're more upset that it's it's for lack of a better term wiping away everything that alan scott has been up to this point right yeah yeah okay it's you know i was thinking about it today it's kind of almost exactly like the you know when they came out with the new star trek movie it's like after I saw that movie, like I knew that I loved the movie, but I couldn't fully wrap my head around the fact that they just basically you know cut off the Star Trek universe that I had known, you know, for my entire life. You know, it's like all the Star Trek that I've ever watched is now kind of, you know, been undone because through time travel, now this, you know, this new timeline 
has been created. That's actually the exact opposite of what they did. What? When they they had that scene on the ship where they all like figure out what the hell's going on, they make a they spell out for us that the new movie universe is an alternate timeline. It didn't rewrite anything. Well, yeah, like I the mean, new okay. the new the, yeah. the new Star Trek you, the new Star Trek movies are to the classic Star Trek what the Ultimate Universe is to Marvel Comics. Like right. they, everything still happened, everything still exists. They're just telling Ultimate Star Trek stories right now. Right, and eventually, like I, I figured that out, and yeah. you know, it's just that they're not telling any stories any longer, you know, of the universe that I have you know known to love. Yes, but they could anytime they wanted. Right. Um, but at the time, I didn't, you know, that's not what I was thinking of. At the time that I saw that movie, it's like, you know, all I'm feeling is the loss of, you know, the stories that I knew. That they no longer meant anything. And, I mean, as a comic, you know, reader, that's something that, you know, happens to us, you know, it's not. It's not that rare that, uh, that 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 kind of thing you know happens, where all of a sudden they'll just wipe the slate clean, and you know something that you've been reading for a while all of a sudden no longer kind of matters to the whole universe. The one exception to that is really you know kind of in Green Lantern, where there have been you know minor tweaks here and there, but by and large, most of Green Lantern you know, stories and continuity has, you know, always kind of remained in continuity. Like, throughout the different, you know, events that have rebooted other continuities, Green Lantern just kind of, you know, incorporates everything. So that where you once had Alan Scott on another universe, you know, on a whole other Earth, his stories were just incorporated so that they all just happened on, you know, the, the main Green Lantern Earth just, you know, years prior. And, you know, eventually they created new Green Lanterns and the old ones were still in the picture so that it really, it built up the universe and even though, you know, you'd have to update certain things, you know, for the, the tweaks, it was still, you know, the stories were still there. You, you always had Alan Scott who was kind of like this, you know, mentor figure to everybody else. Because uh, he had been through so much, you know, you, you knew his stories that he had been through. Um, and he had two kids, you know, Jade, who, like, I was following Jade and Outsiders, you know, for the entire run of Outsiders, because I love Jade so much. Um, and she wasn't even in it after a certain point, and I still kept buying it, in hopes that maybe someday she'd come back. Um and uh, and his son, Obsidian, who, I mean, I didn't really read too much Obsidian because they never really used him too much. Um, but, you know, it's like you have all this history and now all of a sudden, like, my main issue with the whole thing was, it's like, this is the first time where you're, you know, you're actively cleaving history from Green Lantern off, and you're just saying this no longer, you know, 
this no longer happened. This no longer ties into the universe at all. So, I mean, honestly, Alan Scott could have been straight, and I would still have issues with this because, well, whatever happened to Jade and Obsidian? You know, and all of the stories where he, you know, where he did have a part in, you know, in Kyle's training and, you know, the team-ups with Hal. It's just like there's so much history there that they're just getting rid of. And they say that it's because they want to use the Justice Society as, you know, like a way to bring in, you know, new readers and, you know, have a hip new young generation. But it doesn't make any sense to me because... Like, Green Lantern especially is the one character where you can just keep creating new Green Lanterns, and, like, pretty much universally, they're accepted and just welcomed into the fold. And everybody, it's like, after, like, you know, five minutes, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know what? Welcome. You're, you're now Green Lantern. You know, let's, let's come read your stories also, as opposed to, you know, getting rid of anybody in the past. Like, that was my big issue with the whole thing. I, I mean, like, I'm I'm coming more to grips with it, you know, like I did with Star Trek. And, you know, you realize, it's like, okay, well, there is a past universe where all those stories that exist. And most likely there is, you know, like an Earth 71 or whatever where the universe of Alan Scott that you once knew still exists. But I still think it's a shame because... You know, it's like you had the chance to introduce a new character and retain, you know, the the other characters' histories, and you know they're just and this is for all the JSA that they're going to be doing that with. So that that was my my main issue with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. What about you, Chad? Um, and, and I. I this this news marked my return to my blog um, uh, over at Core Conjecture, and um, it's it does not, uh, and I'll you know iterate for myself here. It does not bother me whatsoever that Alan Scott is gay. Does not bother me one iota. However, you cannot deny that suddenly changing Alan Scott to being gay is a is a change a major change to the character. That being said, and I'm just going to um, read a small portion from, from the blog I wrote because I thought I summed up my own thoughts very cohesively in this in this uh, little entry here. Um, change for the sake of change has never really been the herald of popular decision-making. Uh, in fact, a quote I just found by uh, Edward Abbey says, growth for the sake of growth is the philosophy of a cancer cell. Now, I know that's extreme, but hear me out. Uh, In the 1970s, when leftover race relations strained our country, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams introduced a black character in their Green Lantern, Green Arrow storyline. Jon Stewart went on to become so popular that he appeared as the main character in the acclaimed Justice League, Justice League Unlimited cartoon series. Now, back then, when race relations were happening, they didn't suddenly change Hal Jordan and say, well, he's now black. They said... Check out this new character. Isn't he awesome? I know, right? So who cares about his race? You know, it wasn't you. And that ends the quote from 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 my blog. Now, it's not something to it's again, not a big deal that is gay. 
but to just suddenly change the character because we need a gay, uh, you know, we need another rank and file to this to to uh, the gay characters that are represented in our universe along the lines of uh, Batwoman and everything. We're, let's just you know we're rebooting the Justice Society. Let's just make one of them gay. The Justice Society has just as much history, if not more so, than Superman himself. So I mean, it's just it's it's a little much for me to sit here and and stomach the fact that you are changing something about this character. Now, are there ways? In like you know, Jim's big deal is. You know, can can where's Jade and Obsidian and all those old stories are lost? Well, obviously, there are many ways that a uh, homosexual individual can still have children. Blah 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 blah. But there is a lot of stuff in 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 addition to the fact that he's gay that changes so much about Alan Scott that while, like for instance, the the new origin of Flash, that's also changing. And yeah, I think it's cool, but it kind of bothers me. But we didn't really get that any any kind of hints of that would be coming uh, until we read the first issue of Earth Two. And now that I think about it, yeah, it was cool to see it. You know, it's better to see that that pseudoscience explanation of inhaling hard water fumes is gone. But at the same time, that was that was something that was so cheesy about that character that I just loved it. And there's some kind of grandfathery feeling to Jay Garrick that I also in the Flash universe that Alan Scott kind of has to me for the DC universe and to to change that character for the sake of changing him not to not just to say well I've got like a thousand cool stories I can tell this way I'm going to do this and you'll trust me you'll see but just to say well we really need to add someone another gay main gay character to our universe let's do this there's something about that that bothers me. Now, that being said, if they play this right, I will have no no further issues with it. If they show Alan Scott kicking ass and taking names, just as he's always done in the past, and continue to st- tell great stories from here on out, wonderful. Do not give two shits that he's gay. But if every five panels... They switch back to a, hey, don't forget he's gay sequence. I'm going to be pissed. The same way that they would have to, if they switched from Superman kicking ass and taking names to, hey, don't forget he's in a relationship with Lois Lane, I'd be pissed then too. Don't remind me and throw it in my face every five seconds to go, hey, we changed him. Don't forget. Here you go. Check it out. Here you go. I don't need that. Nobody needs that. For any character, no regardless of their sexuality or any other thing that's going on in the character's backstory, and the perfect example for how to uh, handle um, this particular social thing that's going on in our country, because you know, regardless of how we at the Lantern Cast individually feel about the issue, the country is going through a lot of uh, debates on marriage and stuff like that. So. When something is confronted by our country, it's it's a big deal like this, but and it it kind of transcends into other mediums. DC themselves have handled it twice, two different ways. Right, they created a new character, Batwoman. Fantastic. They don't switch back every five seconds to say, "Hey, don't forget she's gay." She's just a kick-ass character, 
And DC handled um, homosexuality in a major storyline in Green Lantern, no less, in the form of Terry Berg. If anybody remembers that, and I'm sure Dan and uh, Jim do yeah, more than me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a major point of discussion in your textbook episode. <laughs> yeah, it, it, Terry Berg was an assistant, but more so friend to Kyle Rayner. Just so happened that he was homosexual. He was beaten to nearly to death by these homophobes in the streets of New York. And was hospitalized. Kyle Rayner went batshit crazy for a little bit, out of rage, hunted these guys down and tortured them within an inch of their lives, pretty much. He was so pissed off. And the entire storyline, I believe, was called hate crime. So it, 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 they saw an issue going on in their country, and they confronted it then. And they told a story where they didn't change anything. They just had things as they were and the same issue came out a few years later so they went ahead and created a new character and told stories with her and just trying to get their points across and now they're taking it a step further and i'm not saying it's hard for me to put this into words because i'm trying not to say it in a way that people are going to misconstrue what i'm attempting to say and i offend somebody i'm just saying Essentially what I'm saying, change for the sake of change is not good. That's what I'm saying. If that, if, 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 I've rambled a lot here, but it, <laughs> change for the sake of change, not a good idea. Will I buy it? Will I read it? Will I be excited to read it? Yes. Do I, and like I said before, I hope they don't keep throwing it in, you know, in our faces every five seconds that this guy's in a relationship. Because I don't need it. When Superman's in a relationship with someone else, I certainly don't need it when Green Lantern's in a relationship with someone else. So, I mean, it's it's just, show me why they're a hero deep down, why they deserve to be a hero, tell me their origin, and let's get on with the story. That's what any, that's what any of us want from our our uh, origin and heroic stories is the, is, is the, the cool. You know, we don't care, you know, how who they're with or why they're with them. You know, it's just, it's just a part of, uh, of who they are. And, you know, we accept it and move on. And I, I hope to be able to do that with this series. So. Nice. Yeah. As, as for me, you know, I like Alan Scott. I like him a lot. I've, there's a time there, like there was a time where he was my favorite Green Lantern period. You know, cause in this, with, with this entire sea of Green Lanterns out there, he was the most different. He was off to the side. He was the most unique, doing his own thing. And that really appealed to me. You know, he's the character you could tell stories with that the others didn't quite fit into. <laughs> At one point in my college dorm, I had a framed poster of Alan Scott on my wall. It was awesome. It was that Alex Ross image where he's just kind of sitting there with a white background. It was great. Um and and there was a, a time during the um, the Jeff Johns written JSA book where it was just called JSA with the big bold letters. Uh, this is a series that James Robinson actually started and then Johns inherited. Where during the during the tenure of that book, that was my favorite 
DC comic month to month, head and shoulders above Green Lantern. It was fantastic. And that really did get a lot of mileage out of Alan Scott's history and his family and all of that. Um, you know, Obsidian was a main antagonist in at least two really big story arcs. Jade came into it a lot. It's great stuff. I love Alan Scott. I love his history. And one of the things I like the most about the DC universe in general is the concept of legacy. I love the fact that there have been like 18 flashes and all of these different green lanterns from different generations and all that stuff. That said, I'm, I'm basically okay with this, you know, I mean, uh, first, I guess to the, to the topic of wiping away Alan's history you know, it's something that's weird to think of is the fact that <clears throat> that when you get right down to it, Alan is a lot more, I'll say a lot more of a JSA character than he is a Green Lantern character, which is bizarre to think about. But, I mean, even before they ever did the New 52 or, or even thought of it, his ties, he's been so firmly tied to the JSA and just sort of almost tangentially connected to the larger Green Lantern mythology that, you know, it, it, it makes that he's one of theirs, you know, he's one, he's one of ours, but he's also one of theirs. So if they're going to revamp the JSA, they're going to revamp Alan. All right. I can, that makes sense to me, especially considering that, you know, their whole, their whole, uh, five-year mandate for the DC universe now, it wouldn't like, it wouldn't make sense to have Alan Scott running around in the 40s or whatever. So, okay, they want to move him back to Earth to make him a contemporary. And I think that's where the biggest issue with, with this whole Earth 2 thing, this whole thing in general comes from. It's the fact that they're contemporary contemporaries of the justice league now they're not the generation beforehand they're not the the fathers and grandfathers interacting with a new generation and that rubs a lot of people the wrong way it rubbed me the wrong way at first because i really was holding out hope that you know maybe just maybe we would see see them in the 40s of that other earth or something but i you you gotta look at it as much as it sucks, you you can't exactly look at it from a nostalgic fan point of view. And the fact of the matter is that that DC's history with the JSA has been really, really spotty in terms of successes. Like they're really big back in the '40s, and they 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 had like this massive spike of resurgence during that uh, Robinson and Johns run back in uh was it the late 90s early 2000s but after the series went away for infinite crisis and then they brought it back it never it never got that spark back it's just been kind of plodding along ever since and just so much of this team's history has been littered with critical and financial failure that they'd be nuts not to try something drastic and re just revamp the whole thing from the ground up. It's like the the new 52 gave them the perfect opportunity to just say, you know what? Let's do something new that we couldn't have done before. And so like, and I mean, honestly, I've come to accept 
I'm, I'm, we're almost a year in with the, the new 52 relaunch universe, whatever you want to call it, relaunch, reboot, whatever. It makes no difference to me anymore. And with a couple exceptions here and there, I'm basically fine with just about everything they're giving us. I'm absolutely enjoying DC more than I was in the couple years leading up to the relaunch. So you know what? I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt with this new Earth 2 thing, which frankly is a book that I'm excited to read month to month. And that's before we ever found out anything beyond, hey, Alan Scott's going to be in this. So so now to the issue of him being gay now, you know, it's... It, is 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 there even really a right answer here? Because mm-hmm. if yeah. if you make yeah if you make an existing character like Alan Scott gay, you get the arguments of well why the fuck didn't you just create a new gay character? What are you doing? Why are you, can't you why can't you a company that's paying people just to be creative come up with a better way or a new character? Whereas if you create a new superhero to be your gay character. You're going to have to endure how many months of the argument, I mean years of the argument of, oh, well, that's just the token gay character. That's not a character we should be taking seriously. They were created to fill a stereotype, or they were created to to check off a box. You know, there's people, like, they created a new gay character for the Teen Titans, uh, the newest version of Teen Titans, which I know, like, part and. Granted, part of it's probably due to the fact that they made the the distinct distinct decision to portray him on the slightly more flamboyant side, but there are people that don't take that character very seriously at all because he's, at least in part, because he was created to be the team's gay character. Regard, like, and I dropped Teen Titans months ago, so I can't tell you if that's how they've been writing him, but I haven't... I, I saw him for like three or four issues before I left and nothing really bothered me too much about him. But, I mean, I, I just find it really hard to get worked up over the fact that Alan Scott's gay now when all we have to go on is just the sheer concept of, hey, Alan Scott's gay now. And until I see them shoot themselves in the foot with what's on the page, I, I got nothing to get upset about. So, you know, you want to... If, if if you want to have a homosexual Alan Scott, then, okay, prove to me that it was a good idea. I am ready and willing to see what you have to offer, you know? That, and, that, that, oh, no, that's go a good ahead, way Chad. to put it. That's a good way to put it. Prove to me that it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. The, the change for the sake of change, it, that that's my biggest issue. It's not that he's gay. It's changing the character, especially one as steeped in history as Alan Scott, just to change him. Prove to yeah, me it's and, a good idea, and I won't care. Yeah, and, and not for nothing, but, you know, Alan Scott, for as long as I've been reading comics, for longer than I've been reading comics, I've seen Alan Scott referred to as his era's Superman. Not just, like, because... Like and and back in a day in a version of reality because this isn't the first re- rebooting that this character's had to deal with. Um, he was the big guy, you know. He was the most powerful superhero, the most flashy and iconic superhero. But like more, 
just just getting away from the superhero side of it, he is kind of like Superman in that he is he's the he's this strong, powerful, respectable person who you know unless they change him so drastically in the new fifty two he's the kind of guy who will who will keep bad things from happening to people just because you know I mean you want to have a character that is that is a good respectable representative of the gay community and is someone that that let's just let's pretend for a minute that kids actually read comics you want you will have young people who either think they might be gay or know they're gay this is like i can think of billions of characters that are worse role models than alan scott you know this if if, if they're not going to take the plunge and make Superman come out of the closet, then this is pretty close to the next best thing. You know, it's... And I think, honestly, the fact that so many people have this historical attachment to Alan Scott probably kind of helps reinforce that a little because the world is filled with people that look at Alan Scott and they think of the guy that we've been ringing up to now. And now you can attribute... It, it's almost like you're you're layering his own, the homosexuality on top of that. It's like it's like you have a great cake and you're putting a cherry on top of it. You know. For for what it's worth, the um, change for the sake of change idea does not come with DC's announcement. It comes with the interview from James Robison that News Newsarama posted. If you read what Robinson is saying, it very much smacks of change for the sake of change that's 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 where i'm getting it not not just for the fact that they you know i heard the, when i heard the announcement didn't care uh, you know because i had no none of the um the dialogue and, and verbiage used by dc or someone from dc for the story all i heard when i first heard it was did you hear green lantern is gay now what do you think and I heard it from people at work. They're like, what do you think of that? I was like, wait, what? So I went and looked it up. Golden Age Green Lantern is now gay. Confirmed. Okay, so what? But then I read the new the interview with, with James Robinson. And um, that's when all the issues started for me. Now, I could have yeah, read it, something wrong or whatever, but I'm just saying that is what bothered me and to your point about him being a good role model if you have read the two page preview that was online that showed that alan scott is the gay character it did show uh him kissing his boyfriend samuel um he's a he's still that person to his core he's very kind to the flight attendants his driver uh blah 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 if you've read those particular pages he is very kind accepting and open to everyone so and and I remember Earth Two Number One. He, like, it it was in the form of like a uh, something he pre-recorded, or he was he 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 was um kind of like the on-air personality talking to the world about you know the big apocalyptic event that just you know did what it did in Earth Two Number One. I don't want to spoil that, but um they've all that just, bleh, that right there kind of set him up as this as someone like the world looks to in a time of need kind of thing. And like, that's without superpowers. Like this guy, 
ha- immediately has this level of cre- of uh, credibility and just uh, I lost the word, but like it it's already kind of paints him in this really positive light that he's there for people. Um, and you know, let's not forget, like this is like this, this isn't the first time this has even happened. You know, like this is, I mean, DC gave us the cat, like the, the characters of both Renee Montoya and, uh, the current Batwoman. And Montoya, first of all, she originated as this random female cop character in the Batman cartoon. And mm-hmm. then made the jump to comics. And then was... I, I, it's gonna sound crappy, but I'll just say it. And then was turned into a gay character. And because of the way it, that was handled, like that story of her coming out, basically, or of her being outed, I should say, like that's award-winning now, and it's a great story. And you know, Batwoman. Remember when fit? Like Chad, you didn't read Fifty Two, but like you guys remember when Fifty Two was coming out, and it first was revealed that Batwoman was going to be a lesbian. Like it was, I. I don't remember exactly how comparable the media circus was to this. But it's it was the same thing, and what happened? That never became any bigger, any much larger a part of her character than it is that hey, by the way, Superman is straight. You know, and you can argue that well, maybe that's all Greg Rucka, but you know what? They've been writing Batwoman without Greg Rucka for how long now? And it's still doesn't pander to the fact that she's a lesbian like it's included in it because you know your sexuality is a part of your life and we're following the character's life so we get to see some of that but that's it it's a very small yeah it's a very small part of your life regardless of whether you're heterosexual or homosexual it's regard whatever you are it does not matter it's just a small part of who you are so portrayed as such yeah yeah i mean it's written I mean, Batwoman is written as the like it's almost as though the writer doesn't actually care that she's a lesbian. It's just it's just completely taken for granted that she is, and it's not a it's not a story point unless she right. happens to be on a date or something. That's it. And even then, it's not like you're reading a comic where they walk in and being there, someone's like, "Boy, Kate, I sure am enjoying our lesbian date. Are you? Oh yeah, I sure am, Susie." No, it's it's just like they just happen to be out eating dinner and talking, and then they walk each other home or whatever. It, it, it's just normal. It's treated as normal. And I get the entire reason I bring those characters up is because like there is precedent for DC doing this, and there is precedent for them handling it really well. So, I mean, honestly, I'm a lot. I, I'm Chad. I did read those those uh, preview pages that you mentioned. And I'm more nervous that they're gonna kill off his boyfriend in a train crash for his origin. Oh, that's, like that's 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 for sure. That's and that's something I mentioned in my blog. That's that's what DC does with every character before the hero becomes the hero. If he has any prior romantic relationships, that person must die. <laughs> yeah, and it's because he's like they're walking away and like what's his name? Sam is it? Yeah, Samuel. 
yeah, Sam's like, like Alan's like, yeah, let's go, let's go hang out. We're in the city. It'll be great. And Samuel's like, yeah, no, let's go on this train ride instead. I'm sure it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, it'll do us good. Let's go on this train ride. I'm like, oh, fuck. They're gonna kill him. <laughs> They're gonna kill him in issue three. <laughs> so, the one, the one upside to making Alan Scott gay and wiping away all of his history. It means that it's, Justice League of America, the Dark Things storyline, will never have happened now. <laughs> and neither will that hangover. Oh, God. That, that, that story was abysmal. But that was also written by James Robinson, so... Yes. Yeah, they, they just retconned your liver back to health. <laughs> oh, God. That was, that was awful. Now, now, the one thing that I will throw out is that by making Green Lantern gay, well, there's like, there's already four comics out that are basically, you know, that carry the Green Lantern banner. And nine people out of ten have no idea what the difference is between any of those comics and, you know, and who Alan Scott is. So, you know, you have to wonder, like, if there was also, like, some thought put into the idea of, like, well, you know, we have a bunch of Green Lanterns, and if we make this Green Lantern gay, then, you know, we might be able to trick people into buying the other Green Lantern titles looking for the gay Green Lantern. Uh, on our forum, Jeff posted a uh, scan from his local paper. Yeah. It's a shot of Ryan Reynolds in costume. Uh and the the caption under the picture says, Ryan Reynolds was the Green Lantern in a movie about the comic book hero. A gay version is coming to print. <laughs> yeah. God, stuff like that makes me mad. Because one, I yeah. want to be a journalist, and two, I'm a comic fan. So bad reporting. <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, technically, all of that is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in juxtaposition to the photo, just for shock value. Yeah. Oh god. We, can I hate we go? Can we can we just go around and state for the record that Ryan Reynolds came out of the closet? <laughs> what? Did he? No, he didn't. <laughs> that would be odd because he was in a bunch of public relationships. Mm. No, I'm I'm kidding because of the picture in the paper. Oh yeah. Uh, you guys. And and just for <laughs> clarification. Because I feel like I kind of rambled and my point might have, might have gotten lost. Uh, and this is not to um, get readers to my site <laughs> or whatever, but I did write a blog entry over at Core Conjecture that kind of more um, more uh, solidifies my thoughts on these matters. Um, so just coreconjecture.blogspot.com and the title of the the blog entry about Alan Scott is called The Strange Trial of Alan Scott. So, Yeah, I mean, the thing that I walk away from this with is, like, after, like, coming to, coming to terms with the fact that the Alan Scott that, you know, I knew and love is no more, and that this is a brand new character... Um, I would conceivably really enjoy reading this character. The only, the only factor that I am not sure about is the James Robinson factor. 
he's, he's, he's ex- apparently what? he's apparently been impressing people lately with his shade book. He's extremely hit or miss lately. Like some things he just does well, and some things he does not. So I mean, I'm like I'm definitely gonna read it. I, there's no way that I you know couldn't read it as a Green Lantern fan. Um, I, I hope I hope he does this well because I, I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy everything that James Robinson writes. Hmm. But when I don't, oh man, is it painful? Now, let me put this to you both now. I was going to ask you off the air, but what the fuck? Let's keep it here. <laughs> Given, all right, new series, Alan Scott's going to be a mainstay. He's obviously going to be a big deal in it. Do we add it to our monthly rotation for the show? Uh, well, we don't. In, we in don't. mentioning, in mentioning, just uh, probably not in... Um... A recap and all that stuff, and right. panel by panel breakdown. Because we uh, don't we don't do that with with Green Lantern and JLA. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's probably something we're going to be talking about, but not in like the official you know lineup stance. All right. I mean, as it is, those episodes run way too long anyway. As yeah. as as this episode is like running on three hours anyway, but uh. Yeah, yeah, definitely not, but we will be talking about them. <laughs> yeah. And keep your eyes uh, peeled for, to the Lantern Cast feed, because there are some special things in the works, which I will not spoil here, but um, just check it out. So. All right, that was weird. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I'm talking about. Do I? I? Just want... Yes, Probably. you do. All right. <laughs> We've been talking about it on Facebook. Oh, you really okay? Okay. Yeah, guys, I have a question though. Oh God. No, this is important. Do you think that taco truck runs on gas or just justice? <laughs> <laughs> Probably justice, right? Well, you can find out for twenty bucks. Hmm. I'll God, wait for that the... is way too much money to find out. <laughs> You know, wait for your review. God. Maybe I'll run into the artist and uh, creator at uh, Austin Comic Con and interview him. When is when that? Uh, November. Oh, God, that's forever away. God, if I write you, you ask them all verbatim. <laughs> uh, as a uh, probably like rapid fire round? Sure. Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> God. Uh. God. Okay, before we end this, I want to show you guys this. This is the side of the building I work in, and this is what was on it the other day when I showed up. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, the most ironic thing about that is I didn't do it. (laughs) It's, for those at home, there's it's a t- there's a tall kind of useless spire on the, on the side the one side of the build, of the store I work in and at the top like like three stories up someone climbed up there on the ladder and spray painted the word hope in giant letters in blue paint nonetheless yeah. <laughs> mm. 
Okay, so if you want to contact us, you can do so at lanterncast at gmail.com. Our website is lanterncast.com. Um, if you go to our website, we have uh, links to our forum, our Facebook page, our Twitter. Um, we all have our own individual emails, so if there's somebody in particular that you disagree with the most after this episode, <laughs> you can do so at jim at lanterncast.com, chad at lanterncast.com, dan at lanterncast.com. Or if you want to send an email to James or Jason, they can also be reached at lanterncast.com and find out what their opinions are. Um, and uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do so at 708-LANTERN. You know, we still have like a couple that we really need to get to. Um, yeah, what the hell? This is why people don't leave them. Well, I mean, the past couple of episodes, we haven't really had the opportunity because when we had Jason on, uh, he was using his iPad, so he wouldn't be able to uh, listen and record at the same time. Oh. Um, and then last episode, we just forgot. So, that's that. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, oh, and Core Conjecture is back. Yeah, yeah. Do, we, do we even have a link for that? No. No, we don't. No. And you wouldn't put it up there if I asked you to, so. I might. Yeah, at the very bottom where the temporary forum link used to be. <laughs> it's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> Funny. Oh wait. Way we, in the bottom. <laughs> we we have links to philosoph ph philosophical obscurity and Cage's comics. Yep. Uh, you do. Yeah. Maybe you should keep up with those next time. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Uh, no, that's well, actually for, for... That, that was actually one of your better blog posts. Which one? The most recent core conjecture. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the, uh, for what it's worth, the main LanternCast website still says this show is hosted by two certified lanternologists. Yeah, and it's going to stay that way because, uh, I don't think you've been certified yet. Excuse me, but the Twitter feed has already been changed to three. <laughs> the Twitter feed is wrong. <laughs> More people probably see the Twitter feed than see our website. <laughs> and then they know it's wrong. Oh, just in their gut, they know it. In their heart of hearts, they know it's wrong. <laughs> actually, the website actually says two true lanternologists. So. Oh, so we can have as many fakes as we want. Yeah, well, we make honorary ones all the time, so. Deputize them and their rings fade away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, actually an, I'm, actually an, I'm actually an honorary lanternologist from the first time you had me on the show and had me do the quiz. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's and that's what happens. It's like, you know, after 24 hours, that title kind of faded away, but Chad's been oh. holding on to it ever since. Oh, is that why you made me a co-host? No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you forget why? <laughs> um, kinda. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Not even joking. Completely forgot how that happened. <laughs> I don't really regret it, but I don't remember it. I don't. <laughs> I don't really regret it. But, yeah. <laughs> well, it's Chad, so I have to throw those kind of, uh, you know, jib jabs. Yeah. God. Um, oh, and if you want to subscribe to us, you can do so on iTunes. Just search for Lantern Cast, and 
Listen to any one of our plethora of episodes past. That's not that word. <laughs> yes, plethora. A plethora Ple- is a great deal. A plethora. 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 Whatever. Listen, God. you say banana, I say Ivan Reese. Listen, you probably do think those are the same thing. Also, anyone out there who wants to hear more of me without these jerks, listen. go check out Not Young, Just Us. That's John and Meg's podcast about not, uh, about what? What is it? Not Young? Young Justice. Their title confuses me. <laughs> well, it's not about Young Justice? It may be. I don't know. Listen, all I know is the other night I sat down with John and we recorded like four episodes. So if you want to hear me somewhere else, th- somewhere else throughout the month of June, oh, go ser- go search for "Not Young, Just Us" on Google and iTunes. You know, I was actually going to check that that podcast out. Not now. But now. <laughs> And if you'd like to read my commentary unhindered by Jim's assholery, coreconjecture.com, oh. .blogspot.com, rather. Uh, now I'm going to do comments. <laughs> Chad's getting comments. Chad's getting <laughs> comments. Feedback is feedback, dude. This has been a LanternCast production. Episode, wait a second, wait a second. What, Dan? If you're all promoting something, then I have to promote something. <laughs> What? Do you're, something worth promoting. How about yeah, showing out of customs? Showing out of customs bullshit? <laughs> yeah, when I'm... was the last time you customized anything? But your lies. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, since I finally <laughs> moved into a new apartment and I have my workspace, um, conceivably I will be actually updating that website soon. Yes. Conceivably. Is that before or after you build Chad's birthday present i got the piece that i need oh i'm sure you did i got it i actually got it like uh is it, is it the remote trigger for the detonator <laughs> <laughs> i'm picturing that scene from batman begins where he just opens up the crate filled with tiny bat ears <laughs> like yes it's here <laughs> okay my phone is about to die but i'm gonna try and take a picture and send it to uh dan so that he can see it and know what it's going to be, but Chad won't. Don't you have a picture you sent to Jason last week? Um, I no, texted, texted him, him what it was going to be. Oh. Uh, speaking of, Jason never texted me back. He hates you. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't text too often. Okay, yeah, my camera just doesn't seem to be doing anything. Okay, that's not gonna work. You watch, he's going to take a picture of himself shirtless and trick you into looking at it. I already did that. That's my my picture. Your signature move? (laughs) Fatality. (laughs) Shirtless Jim just reaches into your chest, pulls out your spinal column. Kalima! Kalima! (laughs) Like, like, get over here! Uh, Yeah. Okay. We're still recording. Yeah. 131. <laughs> the end. Yes. Now comes all the fun shit. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, have fun. Good night. Good night. Good night. What was that? Oh. Like an Italian. <laughs>
I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Chad Bogleman. And this is the Lantern Cast. I'm really thrown off right now. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what was that? So I'm really thrown off right now. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> Why? We've done this 134 times. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you hear the tone of his voice? It was terrifying. Whose? You want to do it again? Mine? Jim's. No. Didn't you hear the way he was talking? Okay, let's, let's do it again. Let's do it again. I like this. Let's keep this. <laughs> Put this at the end, James. That's what was fine. the episode? Okay. Start over. Oh, what do I care? I don't have to say it. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 134. Golly. The cheesiest ever. It's not 134. What? It's 131. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay, you know what? No, we're, we're going to do it again. James, put this one at the end, too. All of these at the end. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? One thirty-one. It's one thirty-one. Don't you oh. try and sabotage this? <laughs> one thirty-one. Okay. I'm gonna write this down. Hang on. Okay. I can't. Rem- I obviously can't remember this. One thirty. Pretend he's Mickey. <clears throat> <clears throat> hey, everybody. <laughs> the fuck was that? Shut up. Okay. <laughs> uh, wouldn't have happened 45 minutes ago. <laughs> nope. All future failure can be blamed on me. Sweet. You finally ready, then? Oh, am I finally ready? Yes. Okay. Hi, everybody. This is My Name is Jim. What? <laughs> 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 this uh, happens every episode. What you, call it? you know, uh, <clears throat> for Lauren's birthday, we uh, we were over at my family's house. Oh, good. And, we're going off on a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I figured James is going to put all of this at the end anyway. So. So we One both... time, I want there to be a blooper reel that's just longer than the episode that's ahead of it. <laughs> I'm sure that'll happen someday. In fact, we'll make that happen someday. <clears throat> Oh, good. So we, we go over to my family's house, and, you know, they have all the cakes out. Because um, my family, you know, we don't do, just do, you know, cake. We do cakes. So <laughs> the, the, the candles are all lit, and we're about to start singing happy birthday for, for Lauren. And I, I do this thing where <laughs> if you start singing, like, you know, loud enough, on a different line, then everybody gets messed up and starts singing along also because they they can't keep it straight in their head. So, yeah. like, I start singing on the third line of Happy Birthday. And so everybody's like, Happy Birthday. And I'm like, Happy Birthday, dear Lauren. And everybody else starts joining in. And then there's only one more line and everybody stops. And everybody's like, Wait, what happened? <laughs> Nobody so, realized why. 
you intentionally sabotaged your own wife's happy birthday song. Oh, she loves it, though. She loves it when I do that, because everybody else gets so irritated. <laughs> I don't know why, but she is, like, hysterical laughing. Oh. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, what, try this again. Was that kind of like what happened here? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know why that story came from. <laughs> Some, something about intentional sabotage somehow. Oh, I see. Yeah. There we go. <sighs> All right, let's go. Okay. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the podcast known as The Lantern Cast. Episode 134. It's 131! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> you said you were going to write it down. I wrote 134. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Jim, you're the one sabotaging it by trying to throw something different in the opening. You know, I figured it's like a curse. I try and change it up just ever so slightly. You want to change it up? The whole, you... No. The whole podcast goes to hell if you don't keep with tradition. Okay, fine. <laughs> James, just, just put all that in the, the blooper reel. This entire thing. This entire <laughs> thing. So everyone can know it was Jim's fault. Purposely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Retrospect, it's purposeful. 